This week on Geek Explained, to celebrate the 4th of July, we're taking a look back at the story of Captain America. But not just one Captain America. Join me and special guest Malcolm Russell Nelson for an in-depth retrospective on the tale of two captains, Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is all about Captain America. With the 4th of July this weekend, as of this recording, I wanted to talk about Captain America. You know how big a Captain America fan I am. I know how big of a fan of Captain America I am. And so I wanted to talk Captain America. But I didn't want it to just be a chronicle episode where we talked about uh, Steve Rogers, because that's, you know, other people have done that that and other people have done that a lot better than I ever could. So this week we're taking a look at the tale of two captains, how two interconnected and intertwining stories told a really, I think, real and honest narrative about the different experiences that two separate men went through while holding the title of Captain America, that being Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson. And joining me in this discussion, this giant-sized retrospective, is a longtime friend of the podcast, a good brother, Malcolm Russell Nelson. I'm really excited for you all to hear about the conversation that we had. I just... Ah, Malcolm has been a very, very good friend of mine for a very long time. He is the guy who, if you have heard me talk about, ah, a good friend of mine who works at a comic shop recommended this book to me, it's Malcolm. I've been wanting to get him on the podcast for a very long time, and I'm really excited about the conversation that we had this week. Of course, alongside our giant-sized conversation, we also have our final weekly review for Season 2 of Harley Quinn and our announcement for what we'll be covering next. I'm pretty sure you know what it is, but um, I'm just excited to talk about it. And of course, the possibly final comics callback... We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, because, of course, this is a giant-sized episode, as you know, we'll be shifting around the format a little bit. If this is your first time joining us, this is not the typical format. But, of course, this week we'll be going news, weekly review, comics callback, and then jumping right into the giant-sized conversation. So, before we get into anything else, let's go ahead and check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, we got some news for you this week. Um, we have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. We have no news for TV or comics, one piece of news for film, and then a handful of miscellaneous news. So let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Starting off with the film news, uh, we are getting more pushbacks, more delays for films that were supposed to come out this summer. Uh, this week, we are looking at Tenet, which is supposed to be the next Christmas. Christopher 
Nolan film. This is our pit stop between uh, Robert Pattinson performances from here until Batman. Um, and the film that was supposed to come out in July has been pushed to a very interesting date. That date being August 12th. That's right, my birthday. Um, that's pretty exciting. I figured that Tenet would be pushed back just because every film is getting pushed back. I think New Mutants is about to get its sixth or seventh different release date. Um, they just, they need to release it on Disney Plus and just, you know, wash their hands of that that's it's been ready for like two years at this point so uh but tenant i'm really excited it looks great uh john david washington is going to absolutely crush this film i'm really looking forward to it and uh yeah that's it for film news jumping into miscellaneous news which is kind of our main section for news this week uh, pretty much all video game news <laughs> Uh, first off, the um, Marvel's Avengers game that's going to be coming out in September this year had its first big uh, conference, first big reveal event. They called it the Avengers War Room, where they showed off a new trailer, some gameplay, talked about the online component, uh, how some gear worked. It looks interesting. Uh, the trailer was good. They revealed that the main villain alongside of AIM, which I guess makes sense now in retrospect because AIM being the main villain, you would be crazy not to include this character. But the main villain of the game is going to be MODOK. Uh, really, really, really excited about that. MODOK is an underutilized and underrated Marvel villain and the fact that it looks like we're going to see the degradation the degradation of Modok from this like high-ranking aim scientist into the giant head with tiny arms and legs that we all know and love is going to be really really cool we also got some gameplay for Thor during a mission on a helicarrier looks great Thor looks uh the gameplay looks buttery smooth um it looks you know pretty much what you'd expect there's nothing groundbreaking here but i do like the aspect of you know the online component of everyone having a different um a different character tra traversing the map we've seen a couple of the maps that are quite big and just kind of watching there's a shot where you see an entire like squad of four uh just kind of traversing this area and all of them you know Iron Man and Thor are flying, Kamala and Hulk are jumping from building to building. It looks cool. And I, you know, for those of you who are big fans of Destiny, linking up with your friends and going on missions, this is the feeling that I got for those of you who love the Destiny games. Um, if you are ready to strap in with some friends and go take on some missions as your favorite Marvel superheroes, I am all about that uh, we got some looks at some gear that looks really cool uh, looks like most of the gear is going to be more gameplay based while skins will be more um, cosmetic based I'm not sure how that's going to work exactly but I'm sure we'll get more info as we go along uh, no new character reveals which I was really sad about we got like hints that Spider-Man or Hawkeye might be revealed for this first war room but it was not to be but hopefully we'll get some reveals uh as, you know, the time moves along. Um, they said that they'll be revealing the first post-launch character, which kind of bums me out if it's going to be like, oh, like we're going to be revealing post-launch characters, which means you won't get any more character reveals until after you complete the game. But we'll see. We'll see. It looks good. I'm still excited about the game. You can still pre-order the game. comes out September 9th or 4th. 
one of those two dates. But I'm looking forward to it. I have my copy pre-ordered, and I'll I'll see you there. Uh, moving on to another gameplay and kind of uh, game review, we got the Cyberpunk 2077 Night City Wire, which is very much in the same vein as the War Room. Um, some gameplay, a new trailer talk the game devs talking about some of the stuff they really like and it looks great man i i still have not played any of the witcher games but cd project red is obviously putting as much love and uh, hard work into cyberpunk as they have with the witcher so i'm really excited to pick this up i'm already like thinking of like oh i'm gonna play this style or i'm gonna create this character so i'm really looking forward to this the gameplay looks stunning uh the world is gorgeous the amount of customization is ridiculous and i'm really excited to get my hands dirty in that customization those of you who uh, have followed me for a while you know that i am a sucker for good customization i will spend hours customizing my character before i've even had one minute of gameplay so i'm really looking forward to this on uh, our next piece of news uh, has to do with The Last of Us 2. I have successfully completed The Last of Us 2. I really, really like the game. I know that there's, you know, The Last of Us Part 2 has been a very divisive game among gamers. Um, but I completed it. Expect a full-on spoiler-filled review soon with a very... Uh, special guest that I am excited will be returning to the show. Looking forward to that. Um, but it broke all kinds of records. It is now the fastest selling uh, PlayStation game outpacing Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4. And that's incredible. Say what you will about how people feel about the game. The fact that it is the best selling PlayStation 4 game of all time is pretty incredible and pretty exciting. So that's really exciting. Now, as we're looking to games ahead, we have just talked about a game that is in the present and technically, I guess, the recent past. Uh, we've talked about games that are announced that have release dates. We're now going to be looking into games that are in the near slash distant future, depending on, you know, what information we get off them. Uh, they're both DC games. There have been rumors recently alongside the... Um, the Warner Brothers trademarks of Gotham Knights, which is rumored to be the uh, WB Montreal game that they've been, you know, teasing along with Scott Snyder for a while. It's going to involve the Court of Owls. Uh, it's unknown exactly what this is going to involve, whether Batman is going to be involved at all or whether it's going to be the extended Bat family, whether this is going to be post Arkham Knight, whether this is going to stay in the Arkham Origins timeline. We just don't know. Um, I'm hoping that we get more information about this soon. Uh, they're probably going to honestly hold it until the DC fandom thing, which sucks, but if they reveal it there, you know, it'll give me a reason to watch. I'm excited. I'm going to be checking it out, but um, I, ne I need some big trailers. I need some game announcements. It's been a long time, since 2015, I think, since we've gotten an Arkham Batman game, and I need it. I need it injected into my veins. And then the last one, which is kind of paired with this, um, is possibly the Rocksteady Suicide Squad game that we have been kind of anticipating for a very long time since Arkham Origins came out when they were, you know, very heavily dropping hints about the Suicide Squad. Um, this might probably, I would assume they would release this alongside James Gunn's uh, Suicide Squad film just to kind of bank off of all of that um, cross promotion. 
but I'm excited for it. If it's, you know, we've heard rumors that it's like an open world, you squad up, you choose your characters for the Suicide Squad, you go on missions. I like that idea. It sounds very similar to what the Avengers game is promising. And I think it's cool. I think it's cool as long as they, you know, feature characters that feel uh, different from each other gameplay wise. If they, you know, really hearken through all of the history of the Suicide Squad, I think it could be a winner. So we will see. But that does it for this week's news. Now, of course, because of our segment shakeup, we're going to be rolling right on to our final weekly review for Harley Quinn Season 2. I know I've said it before, but I really like that intro. I'm really proud of it. I uh, I cut that together myself. Um, audacity is a wonderful thing. But this is your weekly review, the uh, final weekly review for season two of Harley Quinn, uh, episode 13, entitled Runaway Bridesmaid. This is the finale for the season, possibly for the show. We don't know. There hasn't been any uh, announcements for a season three. And honestly, I mean... The way that this episode ends, if that's just what the show is, I would be okay with it because this is a perfect wrap-up for the entire show, the entire series. It's fantastic. Um, And it starts off with uh, Frank, our lovable uh, houseplant that is our uh, pot-smoking houseplant and best friend of Poison Ivy, eating the Condiment King and his soon to, and his fiance, I guess, so that uh, Ivy and Kite Man can have their dream wedding venue or Kite Man's dream wedding venue. And I, did, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Condiment King was such an asshole, like, during the episode that he was... Fo- that he was um, featured in. And so I was all about that. But of course, that means the wedding is on. Um, Ivy and Kite Man have kind of gotten past the reveal from uh, Dr. Psycho that Ivy and Harley slept together. Kite Man has seemed to move past it, though Ivy is having conflicting feelings. And this episode kind of starts with the status quo kind of being back uh, and set up. Uh, Gordon is back to work and being underappreciated by the um, by the GCPD and by Gotham as a whole. Uh, we find Harley back in Arkham. Uh, she has this great uh, exchange with one of the guards where he's like, hey, do you, do you want a fruit cup? And she's like, no, I'm just taking some time myself. I'll break out when I'm ready. I just need some time so it's like it's like her little clubhouse that she goes to to be alone um i thought that was really funny but she is manipulated as is gordon by two-face who first manipulates gordon into uh wedding crashing and rounding up all of the guests at the wedding um and then manipulates harley into breaking him out so that she can go stop gordon genius harvey dent is a criminal genius especially so during this show, and I respect it. I respect the hustle. Um, He's a garbage person, especially in this show, but I respect the hustle. 
Um, so that takes us to the wedding, which features Gordon setting up this like Mission Impossible style um, roundup to eventually like take every member of the uh, both the wedding party and the guest list in. Um, and it's a pretty good plan. It's a pretty good plan. Uh, Harley, meanwhile, is trying to keep her cool while trying to uh, stop Gordon from crashing the wedding. And she is just making the wedding worse. Uh, but Gordon ultimately does spring his trap and s- very, very nearly captures everybody at the wedding. But Harley is able to use a rocket launcher to um, procure their way to escape. Um, and there's this really great moment. I was surprised. This great kite man moment where, um, they're still trying to make this wedding work. You know, they're basically the, uh, villains and the GCPD go to war on the, uh, property of the wedding venue. Uh, Harley, Ivy, and Kite Man are crouched behind this nearby, like, hay bale, I guess. And Harley is trying so hard to give Ivy what she seemingly wants. She wants Ivy to be happy, regardless of whether it's with her or not. And she's like, I'm an ordained minister, um... I can marry you two right now. And Ivy's like, yeah, 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 we can do that. And Kite Man says, hell no. He says no. And in a surprisingly mature moment for Kite Man, he's been, he's just, he's Kite Man in this show. One of the best characters. He tells Ivy, he's like, I'm going to tell you something that you don't want to tell yourself. You don't want to get married to me. You don't love me. Like you don't, We've had, I had to propose to you three times. I am not doing this over again. I should have known before, but you don't want to be with me. And so Kite Man like flies off in this sad like moment, but it's great. It's a great little moment for him um, and kind of pays off that whole arc while keeping him alive because i was convinced especially halfway through the season i told you on this podcast that i thought he was going to die it was going to be like a tragic thing and that harley and ivy were going to get together in the grief or the loss or whatever but i kind of like that kite man you know after the whole season of him just kind of being dumped on i mean really both seasons uh he stood up for himself and he decided that he was going to take ownership of his destiny and so he flies off into the sunset to find himself i guess uh, which results in this great parking lot car chase between um gordon and the gcpd and harley and ivy and it ends up with the two of them affirming their love for each other so the Harley and Ivy love story finally comes to a head, finally climaxes, they kiss, they ride off into the sunset, Thelma and Louise style, and the show pretty much ends there. It ends with them, you know, affirming their love and riding off into their new life together, and I loved that. I really, really did. Um, Say what you will about the uh, season itself. I personally liked the focus of the first season a bit more than the second season. But the kind of the through line of both seasons being 
Harley and Ivy and their relationship at its core really worked for me. This is a fantastic finale. Um, the episode ends with, you know, a the end title card just with a question mark. Um, again, I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're planning a season three. I don't know if that's just kind of to represent that their stories will continue on within their universe. But overall, I loved it. I loved the finale, and I think it's a fitting end for this show and for these characters. But that brings us to next week. What are we going to do for the weekly review going forward? I think you know. I think you know what it is, but I'm going to announce it right here. Our next focus for the weekly review series is... Doom Patrol Season 2. You probably guessed it already, but that is what it is going to be. Um, and next week, I have done this to myself. Um, next week is going to be a giant-sized weekly review. We've got a giant-sized uh, main segment for this week. Next week, it's going to be a giant-sized weekly review because we have not one, not two, but four episodes that we're going to be reviewing um i did not know this but um this season of doom patrol kicked off the same uh week as harley quinn did so i thought at the most it was just going to be two episodes but you know what they did they dropped three episodes on the opening day so i have to review those three episodes and then we have another episode episode four that is going to be dropping this thursday so next week you're going to get four episodes worth of the weekly review for doom patrol season two and i'm not mad at it i love doom patrol it's one of my favorite shows to come out of uh dc universe and really just come out of my geeky fandom so or is it fandom now dc oh god it's so stupid um but i am really excited to talk about doom patrol it's gonna be a great ride i haven't watched it i've been saving myself so that i can just watch and marathon and binge all four episodes and you will find out what i think of those episodes next week so tune in for that giant size weekly review next week but for now we're going to roll right on into a very special finale for the comics callback Welcome back to this week's Comics Callback. This is the segment of our show where I talk about five comics that I think you should go back and read. Whether it's on Comixology, the DC Universe app, or whether you just go to your shelf and dust off your old copy of the book. Last week, we talked about five comics to read if you're a fan of Tom King. This week, category is Captain America. Now, this is not just kind of synergizing with our main uh, segment, our main course this week. But also, uh, this is going to be, as far as I know, for the uh, immediate future at least, the final comics callback. Next week, we'll see the return of the comics countdown, where I'll be talking about the comics that I think you should be picking up each week from your comic shop or on Comixology, however you get your comics. And I wanted to make this final comics callback special and in that i wanted to talk about captain america so these are five comics starring the star spangled man with a plan that i think you should go back and read especially if you enjoy our conversation this 
week. Starting us off, Captain America Cast Away in Dimension Z, or the Saga of Dimension Z. This is written by Rick Remender with art by John Romita Jr. I have, it is very publicly known if you listen to this podcast on the regular that I have had my issues with John Romita Jr.'s art in recent years, but this comic is some of his best work, especially some of his best Marvel work. And I know that's heresy because he is a Ramita, and Ramitas are always known for their Spider-Man work. But his work on this book with the uh, talents of Rick Remender writing is just, it's a match made in heaven. Um, this was the Captain America book coming out of the Marvel Now uh, initiative. We talk about it a little bit in this uh, in our main event that's coming up soon. Um, but this was a book that really surprised me. I didn't know exactly what they were going to do with this, but this ended up being the starting point for a fantastic Captain America Remender run. So let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Thrust into a bizarre, inhospitable world far from home, the all-new, high-adventure, mind-melting, tough-as-nail, sci-fi, pulp-fantasy era of Captain America starts now. Arnim Zola's ambitions leave Captain America stranded in the upside-down territory known as Dimension Z. With no country and no allies, what's left for the Sentinel of Liberty to protect? Just the one thing his foe values most. Arnim Zola's son. Steve has saved the boy's life, but can he keep him alive against the savage barbarians of the Frocks, with the fate of the world hanging on his victory? And when Zola's terrible experiments on the indigenous creatures give birth to a terrible new foe, the odd war of Dimension Z begins. So this kind of harkens back to like the um, 70s and I guess 60s as well era of just kind of ridiculous Captain America stories. Uh, those were the era of Cap Wolf and the science fiction aspect of Captain America that we don't really see a whole lot nowadays. Um, but this harkens back to that while also blazing a new trail in Captain America stories. This is a very uh, lone wolf and cub kind of story where Captain America is protecting the small boy uh, through years and years inside uh, Dimension Z. It's a fantastic start for this um, for this run of the character, and it's also a great jumping-on point for the modern kind of history of Cap. There are books that are also on this list that are also great jumping-on points, but this one, if you want to kind of get the chronology of Captain America from 2014 until now, this is a great place to start. Next up, we have all-new Captain America Volume 1, Hydra Ascendant. This is kind of the crux of the Sam Wilson Captain America story. This is where it all began. This is where Sam Wilson takes the shield from Captain from Steve Rogers and becomes the all-new Captain America. He is instantly thrust into a pretty ridiculous kind of going along with the remender run uh plot by baron zemo it is written by rick remender with art by stuart imminen great art great writing it's a fantastic jumping on point for this character so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here the spy-fi, high-flying adventures of sam wilson the all-new captain america begin here 
Hydra has infiltrated society completely. Cap's new partnership with Nomad is tested as they race to uncover the sect of the unknown. But Hydra gathers Steve Rogers' old rogues gallery to take down the new heroes. The all-new Captain America battles Sin and Baron Blood and uncovers Hydra's ultimate goal. But is it too late? Millions of innocent souls hang in the balance, but broken and nearly dead from Hydra's gauntlet, can Cap stop the great leveling? So again, it's just a great story. It's a great opening adventure for Sam Wilson, uh, kind of proving himself as Captain America. I also love, and we talk about it um, a little bit, me and Malcolm do, about the fact that he has to kind of learn the mechanics of the shield in this. So this is very much his first adventure, him learning the ropes, making that transition from Falcon to Cap, and it's a fantastic story in itself. Next up, we have another instance of Passing the Shield. This is The Death of Captain America, The Complete Collection. This is written by Ed Brubaker with art by Steve Epting, Mike Perkins, Jackson Guise, Roberto Della Torre, and Lee Weeks. Big, just all-star crew of illustrators on this book. Um, this is in the wake of The Death of Captain America post-Civil War, and kind of leads into one of my favorite runs on the character, which is Bucky Cap, when the Winter Soldier took on the mantle of Captain America. It's strange that some of my favorite Captain America stories don't deal with Steve Rogers uh, wielding the shield, but this is a fantastic story that deals with the ramifications of someone who has a sordid past like Bucky Barnes taking on the mantle of Captain America. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Steve Rogers is dead. Long live Captain America. He was a hero to millions, an inspiration to America's armed services, and the representative of this nation's greatest ideals. He lived for his country, and now he has given his last, final measure for the nation he loved. In the aftermath of the superhuman civil war, Captain America was shot down in cold blood. In the aftermath of his death, Cap's longtime partner, the Falcon, makes revenge his first order of business. Sharon Carter finds herself spiraling out of control, a captive of the Red Skull's minions. And Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, must reconcile his own sordid past with the Colin to become the new Captain America. So what I like about this as well is just like when Superman died back in the 90s and they had that whole funeral for a friend storyline, a world without Superman, um, my favorite aspect of the death of Superman was really kind of watching the world react to it. Uh, this is very much kind of an in-memoriam story. This shows how Steve's death affects the lives of Bucky, of Sam, of Sharon, of Natasha, the Black Widow, and really how all of them kind of try to pick up the pieces afterwards. It's a fantastic story. Um, one of my favorite runs of all time, uh, regardless of character or company, and it's absolutely a book that you should read for sure. Next up, we have Captain America Man Out of Time, written by Mark Wade with art by George Molina. Um, this is just this is a book you can give to somebody if they know nothing about Captain America, and it will give them exactly what they need to know. It's a fantastic story and a great entry point for the character just in general, regardless of continuity. And it's a book that I absolutely adore with all of my heart. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. 
When the Avengers pull a mysterious tattered soldier from the sea, they unwittingly bring back to life the living legend of World War II, a man whose memories of a life 60 years ago are as fresh as yesterday. How will Steve Rogers, frozen in suspended animation for half a century, adapt to the world of the 21st century? So this tackles kind of a story that not many people talk about, or not many people uh, put very much emphasis on. This is the story of the immediate aftermath of Steve Rogers waking up from the ice. A lot of people kind of just like to be like, oh, he woke up and now he's doing adventures. But this one really gets into the psychology, the culture shock of Steve Rogers waking up in the 21st century after just closing his eyes during World War II. And it's incredible. One of my favorite aspects, an aspect of the character that I think um, really worked in the MCU, was this underlying kind of depression that he has, this idea of him being a man out of time, this um, just really fish-out-of-water aspect of the character that Chris Evans played so beautifully. And I will never forgive them for cutting that subplot out of the first Avengers movie. But I really, really dig what they do here. It's almost like this can be hand-in-hand with any Captain America story, like I said, regardless of continuity, because this deals with him waking up, this deals with him deciding to join the Avengers, this deals with him uh, reacting to how much the world has changed, and his immediate efforts to try to go back, which is a story that we don't see often enough. It's a fantastic, beautiful story uh, that is so steeped in loss, as well as some gorgeous art by George Molina. It is one of my all-time favorite Captain America stories, and it's absolutely a book you should pick up. But the big book, the Captain America book that I think you and everyone who is interested in the character needs to read, to the surprise of probably no one, is Captain America the Winter Soldier. This is written by Ed Brubaker. This is uh, illustrated by Steve Epting, Mike Perkins, and Michael Lark. This is the crowning achievement for um, modern Steve Rogers stories. If you want to look at a seminal Captain America story that recontextualized the character, this is it. The Ed Brubaker run, just in general, is a fantastic uh, Steve Rogers epic that everyone should read, regardless of, uh, like I said, continuity, because this was one of two uh, comic book events across two separate companies that undid one of the biggest rules in comics is that anyone can come back except Jason Todd, Bucky Barnes, and Ben Parker. Um, Ben Parker has stayed dead, thank God, for all of these years, but this, along with the Under the Red Hood storyline, or I guess Under the Hood in comics, um, completely blew that that rule to pieces and brought back Bucky Barnes as the Winter Soldier, recontextualizing years of comic stories that dealt with Steve dealing with the loss of Bucky. And it is, oh, it's so freaking good. This is, of course, the story that inspired the movie Captain America Winter Soldier. And that being probably my favorite uh, MCU movie of all time, of course, this story had to be on the list. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. 
A midnight call to duty brings Captain America aboard the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier to identify the corpse of his most feared adversary, the Red Skull. The shocking murder of Cap's oldest enemy may not be the end of the Skull's plans, however, because whoever shot the Skull has stolen his final project, an unfinished cosmic cube with the potential power to alter reality itself. Adding to the imminent danger, a cadre of the Skull's followers has already set in motion a plan to ignite bombs in the hearts of Paris, London, and Manhattan, causing untold death and destruction. Racing against these bombs' rapidly ticking clocks, the Star-Spangled Avenger must not only solve the mystery of his nemesis's murder, but must find the cube before it can be used in the Red Skull's malevolent plot against the United States. Then, the questions plaguing Captain America's dreams and memories have been answered in the most brutal way possible. And in the wake of this brutality, General Lucan makes his first all-out assault, tearing open old wounds and threatening to make new scars that will never heal. So this was the comic that turned Captain America into this hokey, patriotic... Um, at least in the eyes of the common comic reader, this hokey, um, patriotic Boy Scout into the star of a political thriller. Um, this takes all of the aspects that people love about the Born Identity, the Mission Impossible feels, and rolls them through the filter of Captain America, and I love it. It is an incredible story uh, dealing with loss, dealing with um, memory, dealing with um, depression, and all of it wrapped up in this political intrigue that would make the uh, biggest James Bond fans squeal in delight. It is my it is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Captain America stories that deals with Steve Rogers wielding the shield. And it is absolutely required reading if you are a Captain America or just Marvel in general fan. So that does it for our final comics callback. To recap, we have Captain America, the saga of Dimension Z. We have all-new Captain America, Hydra Ascendant. We have the death of Captain America, the complete collection. Captain America, Man Out of Time. And Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, I want to say thank you, first of all, to everybody who um, has given me such great feedback for this segment. Um, it's been really fun just kind of collecting and um, curating lists for everyone to check out each week of five comics that you should check out. I've had a lot of fun doing this segment, and I would love to come back to it in the future. Uh, next week, we will be turning the clock forward to this week's comics countdown which will be recounting the books that i think you should be picking up this week please let me know if you would like me to come back to the segment at some point what uh, topics, what categories you'd like me to play with, and I would love to bring this back at a later date. But for now, we are going to roll right on to the main course of this week's episode, the entree, if you will, which is a giant-sized retrospective on the tale of two captains and two Americas, featuring special guest Malcolm Russell Nelson. How does it feel? Like it's someone else's. It isn't.
I'll do my best. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So to kind of lead into, I guess, the 4th of July, we're doing, I would say, a pretty patriotic-esque episode talking about Captain America, but not just one Captain America. We're talking about the tale of two captains featuring Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson. And if we're talking about two captains, you got to bring on two captains to talk about two captains. This so what? So I have here a longtime good brother, big friend of the podcast, and one of my personal mentors when it comes to comic book anything. That is Malcolm Russell Nelson. How are you doing, brother? Not too bad, man. How about you? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, man. It's it's gonna be weird being on the on the other end of this. This is now an episode I can't listen to because I don't <laughs> like listening to myself talk. And so it's gonna be weird that now I'm gonna have like a skip week of the geek explained. Like I, I don't like that. <laughs> you know. But uh, and for those of you who don't know, Malcolm has I've been friends with Malcolm for a very long time. He is someone yeah. who has been recommending anytime I've gotten into a comic that I didn't have prior hype for Malcolm is usually the reason why. And so I always look to you for any kind of comic knowledge and like any gaps in my comic knowledge or just stuff that I couldn't explain better myself. You always have amazing sayings for. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. I just like comic books. (laughs) I'm a a simple ass man, man. I like comic books. And so um, today we're talking about kind of a dueling narrative between Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, both of their careers as Captain America. Um, What was your experience when it was announced that Sam Wilson was going to become Captain America in the comics? Like, because I know they were trying to play fast and loose for a little bit there. They're like, oh, who's it going to be? So, yeah. They, they were off like, oh, it's definitely going to be Sam. But who's it going to be? Right. They were they were playing it kind of close. They I mean, they 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 had made it clear that it was going to be a black Captain America. And my first thought when you now listen, I'll fully be honest. I've been a Falcon fan. I mean, I'm a longtime Captain America fan. He's my favorite fictional character. So I've naturally been a big Falcon fan. I love to place a Falcon in the Captain America mythos. I think he's super interesting, has a super interesting voice. Uh, but when they said there was going to be a black Captain America, my first thought was, oh, my God, Patriots coming back. We're getting <laughs> Eli Bradley. He's going to be Captain America. Finally, my time is here. Like, this is exactly what I've wanted. Like, I'm so happy. And then they were like, oh, it's Sam. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be I honest. I would have been Patriot. <laughs> when I thought, for some reason, my first thought, I was like, oh, it's going to be Luke Cage. We're going to have Luke Cage, like, running around, like, busting people. <gasps> Just like, can you imagine him like busting through a wall, throwing a shield at somebody? So, you know, okay, we're going to we're going to come back to that because that's actually really interesting. I think that the stories they tell with the the stories that they try to tell with Sam as Captain America are very Luke Cage style stories. So it's really interesting. That is a really interesting idea. That would have been really cool. And I have no idea why my head went there. I don't know why I didn't immediately think, oh, it's going to be Sam. But But it would make but that would also make sense because of the position that Luke had had at that point. Right. Uh, For the last few years, you know, he had taken over the Avengers after Cap died, you know, with uh, Civil War and stuff like that. You know, Mm -hmm. like he became like the Captain America of the Avengers. Like He became a flagship character of the Avengers. So that, that really would not be that big of a surprise. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's wow. I don't know. Like, that's a good one. Retrospect. 
Oh, for sure. <laughs> Marvel, you can you, you can wrote. just let us know whenever you want us to write it. We'll Please. write it together. We'll get that done. <laughs> so, it will be all good jive. <laughs> all, all of it. All of it all will of be it. just sweet Christmas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick to kind of catch everybody up on these characters before we kind of dive into the narrative of it. Um, I just want to talk real quick about their origins. Steve Rogers, we pretty much know the story, debuted in March 1941 in Captain America. America Comics number one, where it was almost unheard of at the time to have a character just debut immediately into their own comic book. Even mm-hmm. Superman started off in action comics. He didn't get his first yep. his first comic until much later. Yeah. Uh, he was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And yeah, he was, was created. Oh, so good. I love both of them. And he was created specifically. He was I think um, it was either Kirby or Simon actually said that he was created to be consciously political because even though at the time that he was created, we hadn't yet as the as the U.S. entered World War Two yet. He was created because of all the things that were going on with Nazi Germany and Hitler. And they specifically showed him socking Hitler on the jaw in the first issue to say mm-hmm. this is our stance on things. And this was before we were in the war. That's the most mm-hmm. interesting thing about it. Like, that was before we were in the war. It was such a stance of, like, oh, here's Captain America punching Hitler in the face on a funny book. <laughs> on kids' <laughs> literature. You know? Yeah, and since then, uh, Steve has pretty much, like we, like I said, you know the story. He fought in World War II after getting the super soldier serum from Abraham Erskine. Uh, he was frozen during a particularly... Uh, Interesting scuffle between Baron Zemo and a rocket headed towards the U.S. Yeah. Up in the modern day, which at the time was like in the 60s. So he was really only asleep for like 20 years. 62, 63. Yeah. Yeah. And then like now, obviously, it's been retconned forward. And then he's just kind of been like that beacon of hope throughout the Marvel Universe up until since then. And it's really interesting watching how that's been kind of translated and appropriated. Like I think having Captain America not be your flagship hero for how many years that he wasn't before Chris Evans kind of put that character really on the map in a mainstream way is like, it feels weird. Like he, him getting added to the Avengers like in the sixties was kind of like a, Hey, let's give this B team kind of a higher profile B character in Marvel. Right. And he was a B character until honestly mid two thousands. Yeah. Probably the Brubaker run is when, cause that's right around when new Avengers is happening. And so that's when he and Iron Man are shot to upper echelon status. So yeah, for, I mean, he, no one now would think that he wasn't a flagship character. He he is kind of what like Spider-Man and Wolverine have been for the longest time. Like Cap, Iron Man and Thor right there with him now. No one would believe that they weren't that. Yeah. And it's so funny, like it's thinking weird. about when you talk about flagship characters, like how much Spider-Man and Wolverine were that for Marvel. And mm-hmm. yet like just in the last five years, Spider-Man and Wolverine have gotten to join in on the Marvel initiative to take over right. the world. Right, um, exactly. Wolverine isn't even part of the equation. Wolverine isn't even yet. there yet. Yeah. But so it's, it's right around it's the corner. Crazy how much they had to work to make yeah. Captain America like a flagship character. Yeah. 
and all of like the crazy stuff that even people don't know about now in his adventures in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Like no one knows that Secret Empire was actually a comic that happened in From I think the it was 70s. the 70s yeah mm-hmm. yeah that and was like, the, that was the first time that cap like really quit being cap yeah because of like super implied but never actually stated that richard nixon was part of hydra it was nixon being a part of hydra yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that brings us to the other captain my captain Sam hey. Wilson, who uh, debuted in September of 1969 in Captain America number 117. Yeah. He was created by Stan Lee and Gene Colan. I have only like heard that he was basically created also to be consciously political because at the time we yeah. yeah, had not going on, uh, civil rights moving going on, and Sam Wilson has the distinction of being the first African-American superhero in mainstream comics. He was the one who they were like, all right, this is our first one. And it's interesting how his history has been like for Steve Rogers. It's more or less fairly straightforward, but for Sam Wilson, like changed a few times. (laughs) Yeah. Depending on who you ask, you could get wildly different um, stories on what his backstory was. Yeah. Either he was a former social worker growing up with a very religious family in Harlem, or he was Snap Wilson. Snap Wilson. Professional <laughs> criminal living in oh, Los Angeles. Boy. Yeah. And it's, it's that was kind a of, choice. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> Apparently, again, depending on who you ask, a choice by the Red Skull of all people. Yes. And the Red Skull is very tied to the character of Sam Wilson. I mean, he's even tied to how. Sam gets his powers and stuff, you know? Yeah, and, and so is the appearance. Cosmic Cube. And the Cosmic which, Cube, which makes the whole, like, Sam as Cap and Steve as that Cap story even more interesting and more layered. You yeah. know, it's... And as, like, the years gone on, we've uh, we've seen his kind of history get retconned back and forth. Um, his first initial story was meeting up with Cap and battling a group called the Exiles, who were just neo-Nazis... In the late 60s. Yeah, and they were the Nazis who moved to Argentina after the war. Yeah. Like, that's that's all they were. Like, <laughs> and, it's, and it's so funny, like, depending on which, because of the two main continuities of what his backstory was, either yeah. A, he answered a call for a hunting bird, and at that time he had already uh-huh. trained, he had trained uh, Red, Red Wing. Wing to go to this yeah. island to help them hunt, and then they're uh-huh. like, hey, we're Nazis. Yep. Or <laughs> surprise, Snap Wilson, and he was flying back from a job. His plane crashed in Rio de Janeiro, and he just happened to be on the island. Surprise. And yeah. And it's like using the Cosmic Cube to mess with his history and kind of, again, give him his powers. I, for so long, like it kind of blew my mind when I was like kind of looking back. He didn't even start off with the wings. He didn't get the wings no. until later. Was he was just a later. guy yeah. with a bird. Yeah, he had the green costume, which yes. was super cool. Like he looked like the, the Green deep, Ranger kinda. Yeah. The deep uh disco night wing V. Oh yeah. Every yeah. every almost every costume that Sam has had since then has incorporated the deep V in some way. In some way, yeah. And which is I right. love it. And when Anthony Mackie went on to say, he was like, I want a comic accurate costume. I was like, give it the deep V. I want to see him in that comic accurate costume. (laughs) I want to see him with with the like beak right here, like on the nose. nose. Yeah, I want to see that. I'd pay money for that. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we are definitely going to get back to Anthony Mackey's role as the Falcon a little bit later on. But yes, pretty much his um, his whole identity from his conception up until like the um, late or the mid 2010s was as uh, Captain America's modern best friend first it was bucky then it was sam and then we had a little bit of discourse back and forth between the two of them over time when bucky came back as the winter soldier but everything kind of shifted and came to a head with the debut of the iron nail iron nail baby yeah who showed up um during the uh marvel now comic run of captain america the uh, adventures in dimension z run by uh, Rick Remender with art sometimes by Ramita Jr. and sometimes by other people. Yeah, Iron the Iron Nail story was specifically drawn by Nick Klein. Yes, who Nick is Klein, doing who's such a on great Thor. job on Thor. Uh, did you read oh, the latest boy. issue? Yes, I did. <laughs> I loved that so much. What a great Galactus story that book is. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so um, during this confrontation against the Iron Nail, Steve gets drained of all of the super soldier serum, basically reverting him back to old man Steve, who we would see again at the uh, conclusion of Endgame. Yes. All the way forward in the distant year of 2019, which feels like 20 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it feels like. Oh my God. <laughs> and so um, following this, after repelling a just amazing um, attack to try to conquer the world yet again by Artem Zola, as well as his mm-hmm. daughter, Jet, who Falcon did have a strange <sighs> relationship with. Um, so Steve officially. I know. I'm I'm still mad about what they did to Steve's son. Uh, I feel you on that. The Zola <laughs> kids were great, and I wish that they would come back. I I, I, I hate that, that they've been shuffled someday. out. Yeah. Um, the decision was made by Steve to pass the shield on to Sam in once again the most telegraphed comic move ever. Even going so far in the actual <laughs> comic, in the comic for Sam to say, no one's surprised about this. That's the best page. That page is so good of him stepping out of the costume. He's like, no one's surprised by this, right? Flipping page reveals, and it's like, who is it going to be? Yeah. It's Even, like, on the cover, he's blacked out, and he's got all the heads of the Marvel characters behind him. It just says in text, like, who is the new Captain America? And Falcon's face is strangely absent from the rest of that cover. It's like, well, who's missing from this picture? Who could it be? Hmm. I bet it's Arnim Zola. I bet it's actually Arnim Zola. That would make sense, right? Or if you asked yeah. me, I would have been like, it's Luke Cage. It's gotta be Luke Cage. <laughs> I thought it was Patriot. So, <laughs> so um, Sam Wilson gets past the shield from Steve Rogers and is immediately thrown into a battle against Baron Zemo and vampires and an inhuman with acid blood and it's yeah. just as ridiculous as captain america comics had kind of come to be known as it's especially, awesome yes especially when you take into account like all the dimension z stuff yeah. and then pretty shortly after he gets the shield the world ends every world ends yep because we get secret wars yep and unless I'm mistaken, because I tried to look through it, I don't remember him popping up in Secret Wars really much at all. So uh, he's he's pretty heavy in the lead up to Secret Wars stuff. Yes. In the lead up, you have the eight months later story by Hickman hmm. um, in Avengers and New Avengers. And at that point, that's when Steve has 
Because when, when Steve gives him the shield, Steve, it's kind of implied that he's just retiring, you know, yes. from superhero stuff. Like, even in that all-new Captain America book, he's out, like, fishing with with Sharon, yeah. like, the whole time, which it is wonderful. It of his, uh, his little cameo in the House of M storyline. Yes. Where it's yes, like, where he's, he's just, just an old man. man just, like, living just in like, Let's just leave him be. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it, which is wonderful. And, and even as someone who has been a die-hard Steve Rogers fan for as long as I can remember, I was like, no, perfect moment. Perfect, perfect moment. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and so after that, like, with the eight months later story, uh, Steve kind of becomes in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. And where uses... Old like Commander Rogers the, and filling yeah. it out for filling some it reason. Out. Yeah, because he's like, like he's like a uh, Clint Eastwood. How he's kind of like still ripped, even though he's an old man. Like, yeah, which is <laughs> not terrifying. how they drew him after no. he was trained. And I'm like, no. Was those eight months just him just going to the gym as old? He man just got Steve? yoked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes over Shield, and Shield takes over the Avengers, and they use the Avengers to hunt down the Illuminati, which is Iron Man and uh black bolt and beast and a few other people um and so uh great story amazing story and that that's the direct lead in to secret wars Mm -hmm. so he's pretty heavily shown in that stuff and then i think he's shown just a very very little bit in the actual secret wars yeah um it's funny because there's actually more of a focus on on ian in secret wars on steve's son in the hail hydra book which is awesome exactly Uh, (laughs) that was i was surprised at how much because i remember when that was coming out and you recommending that to me being like i know it's It's like hydra on the cover i know but it's super good (laughs) and it's a great story and then that's the last like that's the end of remender's run on captain america is that book on that book i think because he was doing great stuff on there he literally has my favorite issue of captain america in his run like ever it's the best which one is that i think it's 15 it's in the middle of the nuke storyline mm-hmm. and it's uh steve and falcon go to stop nuke uh from someone's control uh, the iron nail actually yes. controlling nuke uh and making him like go after a bunch of people in just like small countries and stuff uh and so they they have this conversation with nuke uh yes. steve has this conversation with nuke about like what it means to be a soldier you know and what it means to be be an immigrant and what it means to be an american and he tells him you know like I, I was an immigrant like i'm an irish immigrant my my parents you know moved here and i i'm first generation you know and it's it's a super interesting like honest conversation about what soldiers are in the modern yeah. day and it's it's beautiful it's exactly what i want captain america to be uh for sure and i remember that entire this, run that, is perfect yeah that whole like exchange too with nuke just being like wait what like being like having his entire like wait you were an immigrant what what like like, yeah. like him just being shocked by that it's like dude of course like why are you? Like, yeah yeah but that remender run does not get the just do that it deserves no dimension the, the dimension z story is genuinely one of the most interesting captain america stories it's, it's just it's it captain is, america running around with zola in his stomach it is it is Krang so style exactly it's the most punishing captain america story because i mean that that story takes place over like what is it like 11 years 12 years like they so they retcon it that he was in dimension z longer than he was in the modern day Mm -hmm. which is incredible you know and that's like that's so hard to think about like well and that was an amazing first time we actually got captain america beard so everyone who loved captain Mm -hmm. america infinity war you have remender to thank remender and jrjr to thank for it it's true (laughs) so but uh so yeah so yeah. With a brand, brave new world, we've got essentially our Crisis on Infinite Earths for the Marvel Universe, and now everybody's stuck on Earth Prime, or so we think if you don't read Spider-Man 2. 
And so um, following this, you know, Sam takes on the role of being the leader for the all new Avengers that features Vision, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, even though they were being super like, is this Iron Man? Is this Tony? Yeah. And they remember got that this... <laughs> I for, for the life of me, I was convinced that that um, that that Iron Man was Hank Pym. I was convinced. I remember we talked about that. Yeah, we did. And I was yeah, like, we talked about that. It's the only thing that makes sense. He's not there. Tony could still be superior. Iron Man. I was like, yeah, I was I like, I've that. never that actually awesome. watched. I've never actually watched. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but I felt like that meme of him with <laughs> the like, Charlie, the conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> with all the conspiracy strings. I was like, it's gotta be Hank. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which would have been super cool, but it yeah. was, uh, but it was Tony. Surprise. 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 <laughs> And then uh, uh, that brings us to the events of Pleasant Hill. Yes. In Pleasant Hill, uh, we had the event called Avenger Standoff. And for those of you who aren't aware of what Pleasant Hill is, um, it is not a 50s sitcom. It could be. And I would it watch sort of it. is, actually. I would watch <laughs> this exact 50s sitcom if it involved all of these characters. I but mean, basically, it's close enough. In the most. Nick Fury thing that Maria Hill has ever done. She takes yeah. the cosmic cube that has gained sentience and turned itself into a little girl named Kobik and said, you know what we should do? Violate people's human rights and change entire <laughs> reality to make them docile members of a small suburban community. <laughs> the, the whole thing, which like gets dropped throughout the entire first like six or seven issues in the uh sam wilson captain the sam wilson book yeah is that the whisperer who ends up being rick jones leaks the information for this and everyone's like oh man we gotta find who out this whisperer is and sam wilson makes the choice to save the whisperer from shield and after this yeah. She gets leaked. They're like, oh, no, that was just in planning stages. We'd never do that. Fingers crossed yep. behind their back in classic shield form. Yep. Because <laughs> you find out, oh, they've already done it. And, and they've, they've been, been doing, doing it. it for a while. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and during this, Baron Zemo, because of course it's Zemo. It's always Zemo. Mm -hmm. It's always uh, Zemo. Always Zemo. I love him so much as a character. He, uh, he's, he's one of the my best. Favorite, he's my favorite Captain America rogue. Like, it's always either him or Red Skull. But I'm a, yeah. I'm you know a seated Zemo fan. I think, sure. I think Helmet Zemo is my favorite. Yeah. He's the most interesting. Yeah. I mean, Helmet or Heimlich. I'm down. I'm not. As long as they have the purple sock on their face, like, I'm <laughs> Remember, remember in Brubaker's run when he goes to infiltrate a jail and he's wearing a mask and then he pulls yes. off the mask and he has the purple sock underneath. It's the greatest moment in comics history, and anyone could fight me on that. They're Brubaker. wrong. Brubaker is an absolute gem. He is. So <laughs> uh, but during the dumbest this thing event, in comics. All three former Captain Americas arrive on the scene, Winter Soldier separately, uh, Sam and Steve, who are kind of on the outs with their friendship, show up separately as well. And during this, uh, Steve has a fight with crossbones in a bowling alley. I recognize how ridiculous that sounds. An old man yep. fighting an armed 
pay uh kill for hire mercenary in a bowling alley yep. but it is one and of the crossbones beats the snot out of him beats the holy hell out of him one of the most tense oh my God. moments that i remember reading at the time because they yeah. hadn't said like hey he's coming back they're like oh crossbones might kill steve rogers here and we're just gonna have to yeah, deal yeah. with the consequences of that and yeah, yeah. Tobik, using her powers restores steve to fighting shape and from here on out, we get the story of two Captain Americas facing two separate problems and two separate stories. Now, before uh-huh. I get to before we jump into the actual um, stories of these of these two runs, Sam Wilson, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Captain America, I want to talk about the creative teams on both books first. Starting with, I mean, they're both written by Nick Spencer, so I guess we can yeah. jump in Nick Spencer first. What are your thoughts on Nick Spencer? Are there any books that you are a fan of of his? What do you think of him as a writer? So beforehand, I had uh, I had not been like the biggest Nick Spencer fan, but there was several things that I really liked from him. Uh, his image book, Morning Glories, was a great read um, about like this school of uh, this like this academy uh top of the line academy where all the kids going there uh that you focus on they all have the same birthday which they noticed that and that's that's weird and then the school and the teachers and the faculty are actively trying to kill them the whole time and it's like a weird mystery kind of thing of like what's going on with the school um which it, it seems to just be gone for now the book never really finished it kind of just seems to have disappeared which is kind of a bummer um but he did that with uh, Joe Isma as the artist uh and it's an incredibly beautiful book but super interesting read um before that uh he had also written um, uh, uh, Iron Man 2.0, which I was a big <laughs> fan of. I don't know if you read that. That was a uh... oh man, that was a few years ago. Uh, it was right around like when uh, Fraction was still on Invincible Iron Man because that was the War Machine book. They just called him like Iron Man 2.0, and it was yes, a fun, yes, but it I was super that. cool. Mm-hmm. It was it was just a good take on uh, on Rhodey, which is awesome. Uh, and I imagine that goes a lot into his runs on Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers, because if you put the two of them together, that's kind of basically Rhodey. war. Yeah, war machine. <laughs> <laughs> like that's pretty much exactly who that character is. Um, so yeah, he had he had done that stuff, and then like he he was known for you know the the funnier books like the super, uh, Superior Foes. A Spider-Man, uh, which One is a great underrated read. Spider-Man books I've ever read. It's, it's so a great read. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so, yeah, I, I had been familiar with his stuff. But I wasn't like the biggest like, ah, oh, Nick Spencer fan, you know, um, <laughs> and then this made Nick Spencer a name in my house. <laughs> Depending That's on whether that was a good name in the house or not, we will <laughs> jump into say. for sure. <laughs> what um, about you? Like you said, I, I wasn't really um, familiar with Nick Spencer outside of the Superior Foes of Spider-Man book. I I am someone who, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I am a, I will die on the hill that Superior Spider-Man should have stuck around. I will yes. die on that hill a million times because yes. that era of Spider-Man is one of my favorites. Yes. And it's yes. something that I have a deep-seated love for. And any book that came out of that, whether it was Superior Spider-Man, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, the Ooh, Avengers team books up. that he jumped in and out of anytime yeah. they were like, hey, you're a dick now. And he's like, all right, see you guys later. And <laughs> that was all of his involvement in Avengers books. But yes. I 
love that era. And so I was like, okay, I'm willing to give this a shot. I feel weird because I don't know how he's going to write Captain America, but let's just, let's do it. Let's, let's see what he, what he's got. And to be honest, he had a hell of a one in a million, like lottery choice for his two artists on these books, because you had Daniel Acuna, Daniel Acuna, Sam Wilson, and mm-hmm. I have I love his art. I don't he's, know he's one of the best in the business. It's he's so good. Yeah, and he's so good at making everything feel dynamic while also bringing like a grit that you would see with um mm-hmm. with artists like um who who am I thinking of uh, like a Mitch Jareds or yes absolutely yeah. yeah and I love how his style translated into that book because it felt dynamic it felt real it felt grounded while still living in this ridiculous marvel universe that everybody existed in yeah exactly and then on the steve rogers captain america book he had jesus saez who's also amazing super super good anytime i see him on a book i'm like that's gonna be pretty yeah the most recent one that i can think of that i really enjoyed him on was uh the doctor strange run with Mm -hmm. Love yeah it. yeah so, his stuff is good like he's so clean that's the thing yeah. like it, it's funny because you you say that you know Acuna is kind of like gritty like he still has that grittiness to it but his usayas is so clean and like there's something just earnest and very super heroic about it you know it's it's so you know big bulky like broad chest you know yes. like, and everyone just looks like a hero which is awesome right. Yeah. And so it's Clint, exactly what you want for Captain America. Exactly. It, that was exactly going to be my point. Like everything from him feels like, OK, this guy is really putting in like some heroic looking cap, which yeah. is juxtaposed by telling a not so heroic story. Exactly. That's the interesting thing about those art choices for those two books is that you you could have swapped the art choices there and it would have made more sense, I think. Exactly. You know, because like Acuna's stuff for the, you know, dark and gritty that actually was happening in Steve Rogers would make a lot of sense. And the clean of, you know, his Usaias stuff for Sam Wilson would make complete sense because he was Mm. the good guy, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's really interesting. And so bringing these two teams together to tell two very different stories really made these books not just all feel like they were two parts of the same coin, but also their own individual stories. Because even though there would be crossover here and there throughout their arcs, they were, you can read just one of those stories and get the entire information for that character. Yeah. Yeah. And while Sam Wilson was like, hey, you know, he's going to be tackling some really heavy real world stuff. Some very honest things. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. The Steve Rogers book was getting all of the attention for one single phrase and one single page. Uh-huh. Hail Hydra. Uh-huh. I remember, and I, I, I want to know if <laughs> I want to know if uh, you remember this. The week that this book came out yep. was the same week that DC Rebirth came out. Mm-hmm. And Heroes and Villains, the comic shop that Malcolm basically has on his shoulders every single day um, <laughs> was doing a midnight release or like, like an 1130 release just to make sure everybody got home safely. But yeah. we're going to call it a midnight release. Blue and Blue I Blue. remember picking up my comics the week before 
and talking to him about, dude, I'm so excited for Tuesday. Like, I can't wait to pick up DC Rebirth. I can't wait to pick up Captain America, Steve Rogers. I've been waiting for this book. I'm so excited. And Malcolm gives me a shifty look and he's like, you better pick up that Steve Rogers book. And then we're going to talk about it. And I'm and it gave me pause. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. And that night I was in line with everybody. I had picked grabbed both of those books and I was committed. I saw people flipping through the pages in line. I was like, what are you doing? Like, no, like you take those home and you read them in the Yeah, like do yeah. (laughs) And I was standing there and I like set the books down and Malcolm grins from ear to ear seeing the Steve Rogers book in my hands. And he and he just is completely stone faced because he knows what's uh-huh. gonna happen. Uh-huh. He knows exactly what's gonna happen. Uh-huh. And so I'm like just da 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 minding my own business. And I go and I read these books. And reading DC Rebirth number one and Steve Rogers Captain America number one back to back is a gut punch followed by a sure you can uppercut. It's the weirdest combination. <laughs> and I love it. It's so chocolate much. and cucumber. <laughs> like what a year. So weird. What a year 2016 was. What a. <laughs> That was such an interesting day for releases because that was also like the release of what was it, Justice League 50, which was the mm-hmm. end of the Dark Side War stuff. And there was another DC one that, like, it was a big time. I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was the end of uh, the Death of Superman stuff. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. The death of the new 52 Superman. Yeah. Superman 52. So, yes. like, it was the three of those. Like, that was such a big blockbuster DC week. And that dominated the new cycle. Mm hmm for like 12 hours yeah. and then finally people read steve rogers number one i was like wait a second <laughs> what this isn't wait what 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 was that uh it was also memorial day week so uh that was a weird choice as yeah. well <laughs> america <laughs> so tell me about tell me about your experience reading that book a week ahead of everybody not just finding that um that crazy cliffhanger reveal but also having to keep it a secret so so we i i didn't fully know a week ahead i i had known that there was some stuff that was going to go down we had we had gotten word that there was some stuff that was going to go down um and that there was going to be some Hydra stuff that was going to go down. We didn't know what the capacity was um, until we got our stuff. Comic shops kept their stuff on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got our stuff on Tuesday. You know, we packed the bins, all that jazz. And whenever we do like a midnight, I just stay at the store, basically. You know, so me and my girlfriend just stayed at the store. We just, you know, hung out. We got some food and we read. I think we got like chilies or something. We read Shout comics. out to Quinn. Quinn's wonderful. Shout out to Quinn. She's, she's great. Uh, hi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and so, so I read it, and I sat there with it for a while. That, was, like I said, it was a night of big reveals mm-hmm. because you know there was like a specific reading order for DC Universe Rebirth number one. Of you have to read Justice League fifty first, then you read Superman fifty two, and then you read Rebirth number one. Yeah. So I did all three of those, and that was like an exhausting gut punch thing. Where you're like, oh my god, and this this Doctor Manhattan thing, and I I, I don't know what's going on, you know. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, I need something that I completely understand. And so I go and I read Steve Rogers, <laughs> number one, <laughs> and put it down and was like, well, I'm pissed. Because <laughs> um, 
I mean, I was already going into it kind of with trepidation, you know, like they, after they announced like, okay, there's going to be the Steve Rogers book. Uh, you know, they started focusing on in the promotional stuff. They started focusing on, Oh, you know, like he's got this new shield, you know, he's going back to the kite shield, but it like separates, you know? And so it becomes a kind of gauntlets. See, I don't like, I still don't like it. It's, it's too offensive. I think it works for that version of Steve. I think it does because it's too offensive. You right. know, Steve Rogers is a defensive character. Like, I mean, his yeah. thing is a shield, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and I didn't like that. It, okay, you know, like the shield now has like a little blade on it on both sides, you know, like that's weird. I don't know. I, but I was like, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. Let's, let's see what happens. You know, I don't love the costume. It looks a little too much like trying to beat a movie without trying to beat a movie. Yeah. You know, uh, whatever. Uh, and so I read it and... It was the strangest thing to <laughs> witness. <laughs> like I said, Steve Rogers is my favorite fictional character. And to find out that uh, his, his history had been altered uh, is really interesting. And the first issue doesn't tell you any of that. Because no. the first issue ends with him just saying Hail Hydra. So, so when the first issue happened, I was like, okay, I'm not really, like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but I imagine that this is just like a trick. Like, it's a yeah. one or two issue thing Everybody that doing. Everybody did. Whatever. Until you get to number two the next month, uh, which is when they explain uh, that his history had been rewritten. Which yeah, is interesting. And I, I remember that night because I, I got home and immediately just read all the comics back to back. Like I just like back oh to back to back. And my uh, my partner, Sammy, was spending the night. We weren't living together yet, but she was like asleep. <laughs> that I was like reading this. And yeah, she she has a crystal clear like recounting of that night because she was dead asleep, dead asleep. <laughs> it's like two in the morning, yep. and I am like shaking her. Like I need you to tell. I need to tell you something. I know you don't, I know you don't care about this, but I need to tell you. I need to tell you. And she was, she just she remembers nothing of what happened afterwards about me telling. Her. <laughs> Dr. Manhattan is in the DC universe and Captain America just hailed Hydra. But like, he distinctly remembers me just being like, I need to tell you this. You don't understand. (laughs) And so going into this, we we then get that kind of split of two separate stories telling two very distinctly different narratives. Um, Do you have a preference on which one you want to start with? I think we should start with, I think we should start with Steve. Cool. Because the Steve stuff informs the Sam stuff. Agreed. Um, So I I think we should start with Steve. So with Steve, you find out, as you said, that the Red Skull completely just took out all of Steve's previous history and replaced Mm -hmm. it with a Hydra-washed backstory. Mm -hmm. All Um, of the Pleasant Hill stuff was completely, like, uh, behind-the-scenes plan of his. Uh, And he had had corrupted uh, Kobik long, long ago. Uh, Kovic was working with uh, with Doctor Selvig. They introduced Doctor Selvig in the comics, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, um, you know, get a little Stellan Skarsgård in there. Love that. Uh, they but... even drew him to look exactly like he looked exactly like. Him. And I was like, <laughs> yes, but because uh... they've done it before, where like Coulson was put into the comics, but he looks nothing exactly. like Clark he looks Frank. nothing like. Come Clark on, Frank. yeah. Yeah, but this this time they nailed it. Uh, <laughs> so so they have uh, so the Red Skull was working with Selvig, or Selvig was working for the Red Skull and corrupted Kobik. Uh, and so when Kobik gave Steve his youth back, also tweaked his history so that he remembered uh, that his mom had joined Hydra. Uh, that Hydra was like a, a it's like a blue book, it's collar. Like a book 
Yeah, it was like, like a blue collar group, like in the 1930s, you know, that he had always been a part of. And Madame Hydra was like their, their like nice ringleader, but like their master kind of, you know. I it, love that character. Madame like, Hydra? Uh, Eliza, just like Eliza, that. Yeah. Eliza character. Because she, she was created specifically for this story. Yes. She's and super interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. And I was so, so okay, we'll, we'll get to it. Secret we'll get to that. Yeah. But she was yeah. Go on. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, they, they retconned his history of that. And so he had this awakening. And it's funny because when you read Sam Wilson number eight is the one after he's gotten his powers back. When mm-hmm. you read number eight, and it catches up to the present day story. Uh, Sam and Bucky are speaking while Steve is sitting there looking at the shield. Yes. And it's oh, interesting context. to go back to that moment, knowing what just happened and how he now has these memories of, oh, I always forgot that I was a Hydra sleeper agent. Like, I, I've been Hydra. I've been fighting Hydra, but I've been them. I've, you know, that's why some of their plans have always succeeded and all of this stuff. Like, I, I thought that the Red Skull was my enemy, but... The Red Skull is my master. Uh, and, like, you know, and there's this great exchange during that, like, during that scene where I, th- I think it's Bucky who's like, Steve, are you okay? And he hands yeah. the shield back and he's like, never better. And I'm yep. like, oh, uh-huh. God. It's, it's very, that is very good writing. I, no matter how you feel about what all goes down here, that is such a good, clean writing that you could immediately tie those things together. Because mm-hmm. in rereading Sam Wilson, I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot about that scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot, you know, and it colors, so a lot of, colors a lot of things, you know, in the run. It's very interesting. Um, so yeah, that's that's Steve, man. Um, and so after after that, that's when you get into Civil War II. Yes, which I... I <laughs> retroactively. So the only reason, because I I know I have my feelings on Civil War Two. Not many of them are good, but the one really good right thing I love about that story is I think, and I it's either an issue two or three where Carol and Tony are trying to like figure out, okay, what are we going to do about Ulysses? What are we going to do about this Inhuman? And they're mm-hmm. like, we got to go to the only person that both of us trust, Steve mm-hmm. Rogers. Mm-hmm. And I just, while that was going on, I was like, this is the most compelling thing that I have yep. ever read because are... Steve Rogers holds the entire Marvel Universe in his hands. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting because there, there's several scenes in Civil War II that do that. Because, you know, like, I think it's in that bit where, like, there there's a bunch of heroes, like, around the table and Tony and Carol on one end. And Tony's giving a speech. He's like, but listen, like, I'll do whatever Steve says because I learned after last time, like, yeah. if there's one person on the side of right, it's Steve Rogers. <sighs> and for the reader to know that Steve Rogers is secretly a snake the whole time is really interesting. Like, And that's the cool thing about the Steve Rogers tie-ins for Civil War II is that you realize how important he is to the story of Civil War II. He manipulates the entire story. Like, the war the doesn't happen thing. without him. And it's all well, just a secret plot. <laughs> well, and, and one of the most interesting things that when you take that together, like the Steve Rogers tie-ins along with that event, yeah. you f- you find out in those Steve Rogers tie-in issues that that exact scene that you're talking about where Tony has all of those tears around the table, mm-hmm. that was meant to be a moment where Steve wiped all of them out. Uh-huh. Like you see Steve yes. sitting there and yes. like Hydra is slowly gathering around that warehouse and he's like, I'm going to wipe them all out. And it makes me yep. think like, what would have happened if that plan went through? I, but it, but it couldn't. But it couldn't, it couldn't because Ulysses' because... thing had to come true, and that's and the thing. Be, so and it, and it 
immediately changes because Ulysses has a vision that everyone mm-hmm. sees of Miles Morales killing Steve Rogers. Killing Steve Rogers on Capitol steps. And the moment and- that that goes away, Steve tells everybody, he's like, stand down, stand down. And you see them all kind of like recede back into the shadows because Steve knows there's a bigger fish to fry. There is uh-huh. a event to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, because Steve, because everyone else is so focused on that. And that's why I love it about the Steve Rogers thing, that everyone is so focused on the fact that they're seeing Miles kill, that has killed Steve. This giant, like, this, piece of like, rock. Rebar, like, rebar. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Everyone's so focused on that, that only Steve realized what's going on in the background of that shot is all the flags are Hydra flags. Mm-hmm. And that Hydra has taken over America. Yep. And Steve says, well, if I just could take over it then this is this is the right we gotta path. make sure this happens we gotta make yeah. sure this happens like i need to make sure that this happens and so he manipulates the civil war into a way and there's that great scene in civil war ii where miles is at the capitol mm-hmm. like he's dipped and then the next thing you know you see him at the capitol and steve goes to confront him yeah and oh, they're man, talking I loved it. and that oh, scene is God. incredible chills but then you have the other side of that scene knowing that steve rogers is actually a bad guy and he's kind of daring miles to do it and he's prepared <laughs> Like he's he's, he's like if he kills me miles? now, like <laughs> he's he's there. He's like, okay, you know, if this is gonna happen, it's gonna happen. But I know it's not gonna happen. But I know because it's the not. flags aren't up yet. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. Yeah, it, and it's again, a chess game. it shows how he's yeah he's got all the cards. Yeah. Like the the entire run of Steve Rogers Captain America is about deception and espionage, like him pulling strings. There's a great cover that I don't even think is done by Jesus Saez, where it shows Steve like with chess pieces. Yeah, like, that's um, the uh, Elizabeth Torque cover. Yes, yeah, for number eight. Yes, and I love that. I love that. It, whole cover that just that image of him just moving pieces around to make sure that his plot happens yeah and so you see throughout the story like you get in each issue a flashback to his uh his childhood his new hydra his new history yeah him growing up him being part of the hydra youth him meeting a young baron zemo a young helmet Mm -hmm. zemo and them being friends best friends best friends like brothers which is interesting and so (laughs) and again like to me as someone who was always like baron zemo's better than red skull i was like yes yeah bring me the zemo very satisfying yeah (laughs) and when you find out like because in the first issue it's you know assumed like oh zemo's off the board he's dead he crashed in the thing Mm -hmm. that when you get to that issue where it's like hey zemo's your best friend and then the and they like that zemo (laughs) yeah that zemo has been in this stasis the whole time yeah and the next issue um selvig is basically talking about like He's been coming to Zemo for weeks, telling yeah. him about this history that Zemo doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. And like all of this stuff and post-Civil War II, he goes, he's like, I have a plan because he's been just emboldened by this vision. Yeah. He's, I need your help. And he yeah. shuts down the little like electrical, like, you know, ray shield or whatever. And Zemo just turns around and he hugs him. And he hugs him, which is wonderful. That's and it's so just, good. Oh, my God. So, so good. And from then on, without having experienced the same history that Steve and only going on Steve's word, mm-hmm. he is loyal to the core. That is, And that is exactly Steve. the character of Zemo. 
that's the mm-hmm. thing, you know, yep. like, I mean, you look at the history of Helmut Zemo and the things that he's been loyal to, you know, the Thunderbolts and, you know, like everything. It makes complete sense because he just wants to be accepted. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so moves he just wants to, to be the on core the of his side. character trying yeah. to be like, I want to feel like I'm part of something. Yeah, like, I just want to be a reason winner. He was in Hydra. That's the only reason he took on the same basic costume as his father. Like, mm-hmm. he just wanted to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to feel like he was part of something bigger. And in this plot, he is able to be that. And yeah. through this run, we get that development of Eliza that she ends up becoming, or Lisa, however you want to call it. I call her Eliza. Yeah, I call her Eliza. Uh, she becomes Madame Hydra. She's got like mm-hmm. some weird magical connection that's never, ever explained. That's never explained. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden she shows up in modern day and she's mm-hmm. like, hey, I've been gathering a cabal for you. They don't call it the cabal because we just got done with the cabal. But, but it is the cabal. a cabal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of just the worst people mm-hmm. and Baron Zemo. And <laughs> And they also bring in, and I don't, I don't remember them ever revealing for a single second who this new Kraken is. But that's gotta be Steve's son, right? Uh, oh, did they never. reveal who the new Kraken was? I, I thought that they did. Him revealing at any point who he was. I thought that they did, but I don't remember who it was. Because they do like a, they do like a late game reveal. Of Shoot, guard who has been with. Namor this whole time and that it's yeah but like they I don't I don't feel like and I could be wrong but I don't remember them ever revealing who this Kraken was because they had the like the past Kraken and they show this new Kraken that either that I think Eliza is recruiting and she's like after all your family but they never show his face and I'm like that's got to be him that's got to be him yeah, they no, they they never they never, they never said up. who it was. Okay, yeah, you're okay. right. So I'm not crazy, but I you're definitely right. I don't know why I thought that they, which did. is so I interesting know. because they literally bleed him dry during mm-hmm. the Sam Wilson like I I think it was his first the all new Captain America run yes. where Zemo just like cuts his throat and bleeds him dry. Yeah, I don't what like and I was so he mad goes in because he goes in the elevator. Yes. To escape. And then that's when he wakes up in the Secret Wars Hail Hydra book. Yep. Because the infinite elevator took him there. And then that's the last time we see him is in that book. Yeah. And I think he I think he just like disappears again, like at the end. Like I think he, you know, gets pushed off a cliff or something and disappears. So and then he yeah. appears as the modern day Kraken. That is my <laughs> headcanon, even though it's never been revealed. Yeah, that's right. They never revealed who that was. That's so that's infuriating. True. Yeah. And that was something that I was I was convinced. I was like, they're going to reveal it at some point, reading through all of these oh. issues, and they never do. Oh, uh, but so throughout the story, we're also getting this slow, like, uprising from Steve, who's moving all of these chess pieces independently of the Red Skull, who is still mm-hmm. at this point in possession of Charles Xavier's brain. And mm-hmm. And his, I think it's either the second or the third issue of the Steve Rogers Captain America run, is one of my favorite Red Skull moments, where he's talking to um, to Sin, who is just like, why are we taking the time to like go and try and recruit people when you have Charles Xavier's brain and you can just force them to yeah. take them over? And Red Skull's like... It's too easy, and they wouldn't mean yeah. it. They wouldn't mean I it. I want yeah. them to mean it. That's the and best that's part. just so perfectly Red Skull. That is and the best also, part. And yeah. I think that issue also features 
another favorite Red Skull moment with him reading a Hydra storybook to Kobik. Mm-hmm. There is so unlike him and it's so like taken out of context feels so strange just looking at but, that image yeah him being but like a father to kobik which yes. is super interesting and a um, really terrible father as well just yes. being like hey let's get you believing in just the worst ideals in the world <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and so this story eventually kind of comes to a head where steve realizes hey if i'm going to continue with this plan this one skull's gotta way. go yeah And I love that because it harkens back to every single if you were coming into this with the mindset of this is who Steve is and this is who Steve is going to be going forward. Of course, of course, it would still come down to him and Red Skull. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the fact that in a different context now. Yes. And the fact that they it comes down to this confrontation in Red Skull's castle and, you know, Steve has him hoisted up and he's about to launch him out of a window to kill him. And yep. Red Skull's like, no, you don't understand. Like, I mind controlled you. This is all fake. Like, this is a fantasy. And Steve's like, maybe it is. <laughs> this, this is who I am now. And then just yeah. toss. Munches him. He so has, awesome. I've yeah. I have been I've been trying to add more words into my lexicon. So and you can tell you Ooh. you can let me know if this word is being used properly in the sentence. But I believe Steve yeets I Red believe Skull he yeets out him. the window. Yes. Yes, he eats them, and then afterwards <laughs> he uh, he he flosses like right out the window. He's just flossing, you know. The, the, there's an entire splash page of him just <laughs> just flossing the window with yeah. the Hail Hydra voice bubble next. To <laughs> and then he puts it on TikTok, and then yeah. it gets a million watches, and a that's mil- how he takes over. That's really that's that's the that's Secret Empire. <laughs> That's the events between Secret Empire Zero and Secret Empire One. Is just an entire tie full of people watching the TikTok video. He's just like, well, I mean, look at that floss. It's flawless. It's flossless. It is flossless. <laughs> but so, like, and that issue basically leads into the Secret Empire event. Yeah. Now we're going to take a second and we're going to rewind the clock back to Sam Wilson. So, yeah, uh, poor Sam. Uh, poor Sam. <laughs> Reading through this was so hard because you get especially so invested now. in this story, especially right now. And reading it is a, a difficult, difficult experience. And I know, like, tell me tell me about how you feel about that. It's it's hard to read now, just in a, in a modern context. I when, when the Sam Wilson book was coming out, uh, while I was not loving the Steve Rogers direction because he's my boy and I just took it entirely personal, I fully get that. That's <laughs> hey, hey, nerd world out there, listen, I'm fully admitting that I'm too personally attached to something and that's why I don't like it. Look at that. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. Uh, so while I wasn't loving that, I think that the Sam Wilson book was really interesting and was very honest. Um, you have a couple like issues at the beginning, uh, you know, that are kind of fun, you know, it's Cap Wolf and, oh, he's going after like Hydra Solutions, Hydra's like, uh, or Serpent Solutions, you know, Serpent Societies now become a company, whatever, you know, like some fun stuff. But then from there, it kind of becomes really about how America doesn't want a black Captain America. Right. And how if Steve Rogers is around, why isn't he holding 
the Captain America title by himself? Why do we have to have equal opportunity Captain America? And it's very interesting, like, the discussions that take place in that book, you know, amongst, like, you know, superheroes. I mean, even with the, the U.S. agent stuff, it's super oh, interesting. Some of my of U.S. agent coming in. From I, there. I love U.S. agent. I and I love that design. Just a wonderful jerk. And it's the best redesign for that character. It's the best redesign. so good. Like, if uh, you want, I was really disappointed when they started showing off, like, concept art for, uh, for, the with, show, for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because like he doesn't look like that. And I'm like, come uh-huh. on, it's right I, there. I hope he gets to that. Same. I hope he gets to that. Like, I think he has to get to that point. Um, but also, but it, it, like, in those interesting issues, alongside, like, the fun capital stuff, the ridiculous serpent solution stuff, they're also, that first arc is all about immigration. About immigration. Sam and they literally come to Arizona. To Arizona. Yes. <laughs> and, and he goes down there to fight off these... Um, these white supremacists mm-hmm. who are using Cobra to go mm-hmm. after Samaritans and to go after people seeking asylum. Yeah. And we get the birth of the new Falcon, Joaquin Torres. Yes. Who is, um, who is experimented on. Yeah. Yeah. And spliced alongside Red Wing yeah. and essentially given that same psychic connection that Sam has. Yeah. And starting off your book by going, all right, folks, this is a Captain America book, and we're going to be talking about immigration. It's so, like, all right, these are the kind of honest conversations, like you said, that we're going to be having. Exactly. I love the aspect of they introduced very early in the book that uh, Sam, you know, separates from S.H.I.E.L.D. and voices uh, opinions that he, he should be a Captain America for the people. And that that's mm-hmm. what if he's going to be Captain America, he's going to be a very different kind of Captain America than Steve was. He's going to be a more honest one and one for the people. And so he has the hotline, the take it to the hotline, you know. Love it, love great. it. I love the people I, sitting on the plane with him. They're like, can you like, just hey, say it, say, say, say it. Thing. He's like, take it to the hotline. Take it to the hotline. <laughs> uh, which harkens back to when Steve Rogers had the hotline. Yep. Because after, that was after the Secret Empire stuff, I think, ah. actually. Uh, he wanted to be more Narrative Captain America poetry. for the people. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's great. Um, you know, and so it's it's interesting to see a Sam, a, Steve, a Captain America that wants to be for the people uh, and yet the people don't want him uh, He's a because the right coach. Like, yes, exactly. Like he's the most like blue. Co- it's Captain America as a blue collar guy. Yes. Which is exactly what I think that character needs. Uh, I think it works very well for, you know, someone who's going to be the symbol of this country and the symbol of what this today. country could be today should be a person who is very much of this country and of these roots of Absolutely. the more average person. It makes complete sense. And it's interesting that uh, the people in the Marvel Universe did not want that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that I agree because it's so easy to be like, oh, you know, comic books have these perfect societies where everyone is accepted and we've got right. all these kinds of diversity and all this stuff. I like stories Support that are people. like, hey, not, not so. Not so. Not yeah. so. Yeah. You constantly have Congress going after him. Uh, I mean, the, the first story arc for Sam Wilson, Captain America, when it was collected, was titled Not My Captain America. Which I, <laughs> and I love and I've and I've got this I've got this collection here. They had three big hashtags throughout the entire. <laughs> they had not my Captain America. Give back the shield. Give back and the shield. Take back and the take shield. back the shield. Which the cover for the take back the shield, that Marcus so Martin piece, is one of the best so images I've ever seen in my life. Like I'm looking at it right it now, framed. and I have chills. <laughs> you could have you could have that framed. 
And it's so like, it speaks to what the entire run is. It's this guy who is up to the task. He is someone who has, who has the pedigree. He has the resume. He He deserves this. He has the integrity. He deserves this. And someone is like, I don't agree with it because of the color of his skin. Mm-hmm. And you see throughout this uh, throughout this arc, him basically swimming, sw- swimming, swimming upstream to yeah. gain that kind of acceptance. Yeah, like the and he never does. And then when Steve takes over, he just dips. Yeah, like he, he, he kind of so, just dips out. They they bring all of that throughout the entire run, like, and they show this um this enhanced view of how like public opinion and social media what effect that has on these characters like they take a completely innocent plot point where it's during the cap wolf storyline where he's talking to i think it's it's not viper it's um oh uh diamondback diamondback where yes. they're she, he's asking her for information on serpent yes. solutions and the next it's not the next page but a later page shows like you know, you know, Captain America scene with a stripper, like mm-hmm. because Diamondback is working mark, at a club, now. and it's like, yeah. dude, like he can't win, even when he succeeds. All the uh, all the recap pages for Captain so America, Sam Wilson, are all like a social media feed, you mm-hmm. know, and so you'll have like running comments and stuff to kind of catch you up, like you know what happened yeah. in the previous. And episodes. I think that's so. But smart. it's also very interesting and very smart because that's really what this is about. He is he's a Captain America in the time of social media. And he's in the, the time of Captain America we've ever had. Yes. And unfortunately, he's a black man. And people don't want that. Yeah. Which is insane. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. And like it, as the story goes on, it progressively like gets worse. Yes. Like we have we have, we have the Americops. The Americops, which I th- I want to talk about the Americops. Because mm-hmm. the Americops <laughs> are especially right now. Especially very right now. relevant. Yes. Very relevant in what's going on today with Everything that we've seen in the um, sociopolitical climate that we're in right now. And when you go into and I talked about this a little bit ago on uh, on a previous episode when I talked about um, comics that talk about like systemic racism and brutality. This comic has that. That entire story was about police brutality and Uh, rage. And, and, rage. Happy, yes. and rage, who I think is a character that doesn't get talked about enough. I agree. Exactly the kind of treatment that he would have gotten as a character if he was a person in the real world. And it's mm-hmm. sad. Yes. incredibly sad watching his yes. story. It's very, because, especially for that to be the Civil War II tie in issues. Yes. Like it has nothing to do with Civil War II. Nothing uh, to do. But really, in essence, everything to do. But with everything to do with what that is. Exactly. Yeah. And watching that story, watching Sam Wilson have to navigate almost the same problems that Steve had, but without any of the clout, really is interesting when you get to all of these very much like corporate and Bill O'Reilly-esque characters Uh who are talking back and forth. Like the pundit stuff, which is so – which kind of – both harkens back to not only like the Dark Knight Returns with all of those conversations, right? 
but also the stuff that's going on today and being like, should Captain America give up the shield? He's hashtag not my Captain America. Let's get hashtag not my Captain America trending. Yeah, exactly. Today we have a panel of three experts of Captain All America white variety. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly. one white woman. <laughs> exactly. Like, just talking about like, does you know Sam Wilson deserve to be Captain America? It's insane. He... It's it's crazy, but it's also exactly what would happen in our society right now. Yeah. And yeah. as that Maricops uh, story evolves and gets more and more ridiculous, while at the same time getting closer and closer to what is going on right now, um, as you said before, U.S. agent drops in. And U.S. Mm-hmm. agent who at the time is being utilized for black ops missions in the Middle East, which again, it's like opens a whole different can of worms. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. brought, but in, also makes complete sense. Absolutely does. Especially with the John Walker character. <laughs> yes. With John Walker specifically makes complete sense. It's brought in by the, by these people and these corrupt corporations to be like, Hey, you know what? This guy doesn't stand for Captain America. I remember when you were Captain America trying to bait him, which would work on 70s and 80s John Walker. And yep. I love that the response to John is like, no. Yeah. Because he idolizes Steve and he's like, if Steve's cool with it, I'm if cool Steve's with cool it. If Steve's cool with it, I'm like, cool with it. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. then they hold the reveal until after the arc is done. But you find out that the way that they get U.S. agent on board is by having Steve who come and talk to him. Mm -hmm. Hydra Steve, who is again, Mm -hmm. manipulating wing strings in the background is like, what would it look like if I came in and told Sam, give me back the shield? It wouldn't work, but you, but you, you can. Because you're that guy. You're my guy. And so Hyde just even manipulates him. Oh, but it's so... Because he In the background him. of the entire Sam Wilson series, Hydra Steve is manipulating everything. everything. He's turning He's turning the people against Sam. Like, the new, the main news guy that you see is working directly with Hydra. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's all just a complete, like, I'm going to keep the focus against this guy. Well, people think of me as the good guy. So that way, they're kind of being fostered and trained into believing, like, hey, I wouldn't steer them wrong. So that when I take over with Hydra Flags, they're like, you know what? It's probably he knows what okay. he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Like, he's probably thinking about the kids. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hydra Cap for the kids. For the kids. I mean, that was a whole thing in Secret Empire. You know, they talk about yeah. how, like, you know, education is youth. important and stuff. Oh like, the Hydra God, youth. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. Well, and this. All of this amounts to huge insurmountable odds for Sam during his run as Captain America, which for me spotlights the people who are on his team with him every day. That includes walking towards the new Falcon. That includes Demolition Man. D-Man, 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 D-Man. In the coolest redesign. His redesign is awesome. So good. Like, I want them to MCU so bad. Get Donald Logue as D-Man now. That's exactly who I would cast. That's so good. <laughs> like, get him now. It would be perfect. And put him in that costume. It's so good. <laughs> Amazing. And then also we can't and forget then his, Misty Knight. His wingman. Yeah. Misty Knight. 
There yeah. is a there is a beautiful cover that I love so much. <laughs> standing in the exact same pose as Sam Wilson on his first issue of Captain America, holding yeah. the shield with the shield and in one hand and bubble the gun in say, the other hand. And the speech bubble saying, "It's about time." Yeah, it's awesome. It's I love awesome. Misty Knight as a character. I, I and I really love what she brought to the Sam Wilson book as she was his Sam Wilson. She yes. is very much exactly what he was in the 70s and 80s for Captain America books. Like mm-hmm. she, she fits voice. that character. Yeah. That guiding voice, but also like a different opinion of like, no, like Absolutely. you really should think about how you're doing this. And uh, challenging she, him. And challenging on, him on a fundamental level in the yes. same way that Sam Wilson challenged Steve. There's that relationship great... is so good. So, so amazing. There's a great um, there's a great issue that starts off with a flashback of like and it's very clearly during that 70s Captain America and the Falcon run where um, Sam Wilson is arrested. He's sitting in a uh-huh. he's sitting in a jail cell and Cap walks up in his classic Captain America costume and the guys are just like, oh, ju- oh, oh, he's oh, oh he's friends oh with you. God. Oh, oh OK. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry about that. And Steve is embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Like him and him and Sam are walking out. He's like, I am so sorry. Like, this is this is ridiculous because Sam mm-hmm. was trying to apprehend a villain. But because yep. Sam was black and the villain was white, the cops arrested Sam. Mm-hmm. And Steve is just like, I am so, like, I don't understand. I'm so sorry. And Sam's like, yeah, you don't understand. You I don't do. understand. Yeah. And like, it was so interesting to me, like as someone who is. And we might get a little personal here as someone who is a minority, but is what could be referred to as white passing, like as someone who read about all of these problems and all of these moments and all of these incidents, like watching that happen and watching how that could affect these characters. It was just it was com- it was really compelling as an outside like viewer to that and like seeing how that um how that scene gets flipped when Sam walks into a police precinct to visit rage and he is full captain America regalia. And Uh the guy behind the desk is like, not my captain America Uh just instantly does not give him the respect. Uh It was, it just, it, it blew my mind. I was, I remember reading that and just like putting the book down. I was like, what are they doing? Like the, the treatment of Sam Wilson in this book is, almost exactly what I expected the treatment of Obama to be. And I mm-hmm. think that's I think that's something that Nick Spencer draws on really well, is that it feels a lot like how how a lot of people expected Obama to be treated and not to be embraced and stuff. And for people to, you know, specifically, you know, certain parts of America. Uh, to, <laughs> we're not going to say which parts. But you know, we're not going to part. say which parts, but a lot of parts of America, uh, <laughs> you know, to to see him as the not my president kind of thing, you know, and, you know, the disrespect and stuff like it's it's exactly what I expected with that. And they put it in a comic with Captain America. And that's such a good idea. Um, you know, it's it's just an interesting voice. It's it's honestly unfortunate that it comes from a white man. <laughs> I was, I was, I wanted to talk about that. How you, <laughs> because for me, like as someone who I don't like, when I see a name on a creative team, I will look up their resume. I yeah. will not look up pictures of them because I just that doesn't cross my mind. Exactly. So when yeah, I. I was reading this book initially when the issues were first coming out. I was like, God, like he has such a great like mind into what this experience is like. Mm-hmm. Like what it, 
where is he, you know, drawing this from? Is this from his own personal experiences? And then Googling him and yep. seeing that he is about the whitest guy that you could picture for this. Uh-huh. It, and I don't mean this, you know, this is no pun intended. It colored my view <laughs> of how he, like, what, where this was coming from. What do you, it's what, interesting. Is your, what do you think about that? It's it's interesting. I think it's really unfortunate that this was actually written by a white guy. Um, and that's no dis no disrespect to how it was written. I think Sam is really well written, like genuinely. I think that book sure. takes a lot of time and a lot of patience with what it is, and a lot of respect is deserving for that. But if it was coming from someone of any kind of color, <laughs> any kind. I think it would any be kind. even more impactful. I think it would still be something that would be in a conversation right now. And right. I think that we actually could have a Sam Wilson still as Captain America. Agreed. I think if it, if a Tenaisi Coates, who's writing Black Panther uh. and Captain America right now, if he was writing this, I think it would be oh much God. more of a conversational piece. Um, I think it would be really, really interesting. I think it would be more insightful. I think it would actually go even further, which I think this book goes a lot, a lot further than I expected. Absolutely. Um, but I think it would go even further and even more personal. And I think it would feel a little more authentic. Like I think with Nick Spencer's run, uh, there are times where it could be, it, it could go for a deeper thing, but instead of that, he relies on a funny thing. And I think that's mm -hmm. because, you know, he's a white person and he doesn't really get the say of what this right. is, you know, but um, if, again, if it was a 10 easy coats or a personal favorite of mine, like Brian Hill, like if he so was good. writing this, like, so I good. think he would crush it. Um, I think it would be like, if you take American carnage, Brian Hill yes. and apply it to Sam Wilson, Absolutely. Captain America, that would be the most talked about comic in, in comics. Hands Agreed. down. Hands Agreed. down. Um, no argument from here. So I think it's kind of disappointing that Sam or that Sam Wilson was written by Nick Spencer. And again, makes complete sense. And it's a it's a great run, how, and it makes and, complete and it may, sense for how it goes. Yeah, and it makes sense from a creative standpoint. You know, he's got one vision, and he's trying to like execute a story. So him writing both makes sense. Absolutely. Exactly, because exactly. it's easier to do that than to have two writers who might have varying visions on where the story is going. Absolutely, I just wish that this wasn't the end of Sam Wilson being Captain America. Agreed. That's because, and this like, is this is the this, bulk of it. Because this is yes. really just this is it. This is because you get you get that early, you know, him kind of learning the ropes with the remainder, like the tail end of the remainder run, yeah. and then it jumps into this, and this is his entire is his resume mm -hmm. as Captain America. Exactly, and he doesn't even finish the story as Captain America no. because during the, I would I would say probably the climax of his actual run of that. Um, the secret 24 Empire technically 25 issue run um he gets embroiled once again with the like the americop stuff mm -hmm. and rage who starts off is like oh maybe he's gonna you know end up joining you know sam's team and yeah you think he is him and joaquin and then oh my god the stuff that happens to him uh -huh. where he tries to stop i think it's uh speed demon and yeah Somebody else uh, yeah. Um, yeah. from robbing this pawn shop. And he is, you know, he event he basically like stops him from robbing the pawn shop, but it's a place it's an instance of wrong place, wrong time, where uh -huh. the Americops show up and they brutally just beat the absolute hell out of him and then arrest uh -huh. him for a crime that he did not commit. Um, and then we get that uh, that Sam Wilson visiting him in the jail cell scene where he's not yeah. any kind of respect whatsoever. And he tells 
he tells Rage, like, hey, we're going to get you the best legal team that the Avengers can put together for you. Yeah. And Rage says no. Mm-hmm. He says, I want people to see. I want people to see what happens with yeah. this system. Which because is so beautiful. So what a beautiful tragic. characterization of that character. Uh, Rage, a character who is a child. A child. He's, he's literally even, a child. He's not even, I don't think, like 13 or 14. I, I think at this point he's aged up to be about like 16. Okay. But, but he but looks still. like a 35-year-old man in his prime. Yeah. yeah. And for, for that character to have that clarity and that honesty. That maturity. That maturity of like, no, this has to happen this way. Like, I, I need this to happen this way. That's a Captain America move. Absolutely. That is something that Captain America does. And for Sam to be like completely just swept out by rage of all people like is incredible and sam doesn't know how to respond he's he just doesn't like, know what to do i i yeah i and so he goes back he's tries some soul searching mm-hmm. like he's like i don't know what to do but he goes and they meet with the public defender who is the most inept lawyer i have ever this is <laughs> yeah he's 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 no um nelson and murdoch no he's barney like, fife <laughs> oh my god and so they they go to trial and Sam Wilson gives this amazing speech um, while on the stand. Sam gives a couple great speeches for someone who mentions multiple times over the course of this run that he is not one for speeches. Uh, he gives some great, great speeches at the it's beginning. In his, blood. his dad was a gives, pastor. His brother's mm-hmm. a pastor. It's in his blood. Like. He gives this amazing eulogy for uh, for Rhodey at the mm-hmm. Yes. On set of Civil War Two, where yes. I think it's I think it's among one of the best Captain America speeches, Sam or Steve, that we've yes. ever it is it like, is a defining I, speech. I genuinely had chills reading through it the first time and reading through it this time. Like I reread everything when we were getting geared up for this episode. Yeah. And it's chilling. We get to the um we get to the trial and sam is he gives his testimony but there's he recognizes this is an all white jury this is a mm-hmm. this is a judge who has a career built on giving the harshest punishments the harshest possible punishment. to minorities mm-hmm. yes and so sam is like the only thing that's going to get this done is for him to bring in the people responsible Right. So he leaves. He goes after Speed Demon. He finds him. He gets him to talk. And he's like, all right. So he picks him up. He takes him back to the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Misty meets him on the steps. And he's like, I have Speed Demon here. We're going to figure <sighs> this out. And Misty says, you're too late. In yeah. the in Literally, in the hour that he was gone. He was they gone ready, an yeah. hour, maybe two. Yeah. The jury went off for deliberation, came and back. came back immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they they basically they sentenced him to prison. They said he was guilty and it is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking watching just all of everything that he had that Sam had been working for throughout this entire run. Watching it crumble. Yeah. This one moment immediately immediately crumbles. Yeah, because in any other situation where Steve was Captain America, him showing up on the court steps with the perpetrators of this would have been like, well, Steve, Steve's got him. We got to listen exactly. to this guy. Exactly. And watching this disparity, watching him see a situation where Steve would have been treated differently is heartbreaking. It's hard. It's really hard to read. And, that, and that's the thing. It, you know, to, to Nick Spencer's credit, 
it is very honest and it is Absolutely. very well written. Um, it's it's hard to read. Like it's it's a very tough thing to read, um, especially for you know. I mean, he's a guy who. You know, like like we mentioned earlier, is known for like some funny stuff. You know, like Absolutely. Superior Foes, like is hilarious. You know, I mean, he's he's good at writing like comedy stuff. He did like the Ant Man run, the Astonishing mm-hmm. Ant Man stuff. You know, where it's really like schmucky Ant Man. You know, yeah. it's he's he, he's a funny guy, but for him to write something this honest and this like brutal, you know, and heart wrenching, it's it's very impressive. Absolutely, it's, it's like for me, it's it's like the Russo brothers jumping from Community into Captain America: Winter Soldier, like exactly. that. Exactly, that just genre shift of exactly. like, oh, you can tell serious stories too. It's like, yeah, you you have something in there, you know, yeah. It's, and then you see just the outcome of this, which again, reading it, reading it back, it feels like this comic is coming out right now because mm-hmm. as soon as rage is indicted riots in the streets mm-hmm. demonstrations protests yep to free rage all of this stuff harlem is am, on fire harlem is yeah. on fire i'm literally looking at this page while i was rereading this and looking up at the news about all the riots that are going on all over the all over the country and i'm like this it this is incredible foresight it's, from yes. this book yes i wish that i wish that marvel would like speed through reprinting this right now they put out a reprint of the first uh like half of the sam wilson run mm-hmm. uh, i wish that they would just speed to press the other half because it, it's recognize... very important right now absolutely and i recognize that that could easily be like written off as pandering but this is a story that people need to be reading right now because it is so current it's so honest it's so modern and it's so relevant to what's happening right now yeah. and you see sam like have this existential crisis. He'd been on the verge of it for the entire run up till this point because he is under the literal weight of expectation that is Steve Rogers. And to see him, and I, I, I can't think of a better word right now, but to see him so utterly fail in a situation where Steve Rogers would have just immediately solved it. Yes, where it's, where Steve Rogers would have been allowed to solve it. That's exactly. But Sam exactly. is backed into a corner where they, there is no solve. There's no win. crushing. Yeah, it's so it's these, really hard to read. These riots are going on. These protests are going on. These peaceful protests that the Americops are turning into violence. I don't know if yeah. that sounds familiar to our listeners or not. That <clears> might <throat> feel that might feel familiar. I don't know. <clears throat> weird. Isn't that interesting? I'm getting a weird sense of deja vu here, but like. Yeah but like as this is going on sam is having this moment he's like i don't know what to do like i don't know what like what am i supposed to say what am i supposed to do in this situation and misty is again the entire time saying like you need to do what you would do you can't think about what steve would do you can't think about anything other than what would sam wilson do in this situation and unfortunately he isn't given the time to make a solution because um rage is brutally attacked in prison Mm mm-hmm he is the victim of a uh, prison a yard. Crime. Yeah, of a hate crime by <laughs> criminals mm-hmm. and distinctly white criminals mm-hmm. who are coming after him. Again, a 16-year-old child. Who was put into an adult prison. I just, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, exactly. It's too real. It's, it's honestly too real. Too real. It's too real watching a 16-year-old colored kid be put in a an adult prison mm-hmm. and suffering the consequences of that. It's, yeah. it's incredibly hard to read. It's, it's literally, I mean, it's literally the, the central park five thing. 
Exactly. You know, like that's exactly. it's it's too real. It's I it's funny. Sidebar. When when this was coming out, uh, you know, I was still working at the comic shop, obviously. And yeah. I know a lot of people who wound up dropping off of this book as it was coming out. And mm-hmm. the numbers just dwindled and dwindled like almost every issue. Uh, yeah. And I think it's because it got too real and too honest for people. It and wasn't think, fun. Absolutely. Like it wasn't escapist. And this is right in the mid, right in the middle of like Trump getting elected. And it's, yeah. it is it was just too real. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was, and I recognize that some people, you know, they were, they didn't want to face that. They didn't want yeah. to face how real this was. I think there was a lot of people who didn't want to face that. They were, they were talking about, and they were tackling issues that we were facing in that moment. Like the, again, the very first arc is about immigration, which in 2016 was the only thing that people were talking about. Yeah. Especially for and, us in Arizona, man. Like that's exactly that's right that in tough. our backyard. They're trying mm-hmm. to build this wall, you know? So it's, yeah. And it was so hard, like watching Sam, like get that news from Misty, like something happened yeah. and then seeing, seeing him in that hospital room. Linked up to this machine, yeah. he is sitting there and he doesn't—he doesn't know what to do. He is—it's yeah. heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. And like, I remember as as a quick sidebar, um, I remember reading the very first issue of the critically acclaimed crossover story Age of Ultron, <laughs> where, <laughs> where the very last. The very last panel of that first issue is it's, all of the heroes. Yeah. All of the heroes basically like, what are we going to do? We're trying to figure it out. And everyone's like, well, what's going to happen? And the very last image is Steve Rogers just curled up in a corner. His mm-hmm. shield shattered at his feet. I remember having a guttural reaction to that. Yes. And that is a like, perfect ending for that first issue. Absolutely. Because it perfect makes ending. you want to read issue two. Yes. I was like, get away from all the stupid stuff. Like, tell me, like, about I want to know what's going on with this. Yeah. Because if, if something is so bad that Steve Rogers has given up and doesn't know what to do, like, that's a really bad situation. Right. And this harkened back to that feeling for me, mm-hmm. watching Sam Wilson sitting. And I recognize they are vastly different situations, but, but, like, but uh, very honest. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Him sitting in this hospital room and not knowing what to do with the unconscious and on life support rage, like sitting, like laying up in bed next to him. Um, again, you talk about real, you talk about like something being super heavy and honest. That was one of the most heavy real moments in comics that I've ever had. Reading. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Especially reading it right now yeah. with all the stuff that's going on. I was just completely aghast. I, I yeah. didn't know how to feel. Um, and then that issue ends with, with, um, Sam giving another speech Kind of in the same vein that he gave at the beginning, but being more honest, not trying to be mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. And the very last image of that issue is Misty going into his room and him having left all of the Captain America regalia in his room and flying off. Yeah, He's left the role. Yeah, And that moment that he is forced to give up because he doesn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. perfectly opens the door for Steve Rogers to come in and initiate Secret Empire. That exactly. That's exactly it. He says, well, there's no Captain America in my way. Let's yeah. let it ride. And yeah. and I love and also it's really sad that he that Steve Rogers, as this master manipulator, recognized that he had to get Sam off the board if this was yes. gonna work. He is the one person who showed Sam the respect that he deserved. 
Yes. Which is interesting. His greatest opponent absolutely understood Sam Wilson is a threat to me. Like mm-hmm. Sam Wilson is absolutely the only person who can shut me down. So I have I to manipulate to the system to rob him of any threat. To take everything from him. I need to drain him so that he goes and he is gone and then I can step in. It's, and don't get me it's wrong. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. And don't get me wrong. Like, he does some heinous stuff yes. during his run and into Secret Empire. But one of the most heinous things that he ever did was forcing Sam Wilson away from the role of Captain. Uh-huh. And it compounds with Steve Rogers and Hydra taking over, Cap- taking over the country. Taking so over America. Roll into Secret Empire. Uh-huh. Um, Malcolm. <laughs> Overall, and we're going to get into specifics, minutia, and all that. What was your experience with Secret Empire while it was coming out? Uh, Secret Empire uh, lasted for several months. It started with the free comic day issue, Secret Empire Zero, and then ended uh, in September, October. And Mm -hmm. that four or five months was the longest period of my life. Because now, now everyone knew, everyone knew that Steve Rogers, my personal hero, was a bad guy, was a villain. And you get to see Steve Rogers do very bad things. Absolutely. Um, there is a lot of murder. There is a lot of uh, covering things up. There's a really, a really weird dinner party issue with Ultron. Um, I love that. Issue. It's <laughs> so dumb. It's the weirdest thing, and it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It's like, hey, you know that, you know that 12, I know while this is going on, you know that 12 issue maxi series that Tom King's doing? I want to do all of that in one I want to do all of that in one thing where it's just a weird dinner party. I want to have my dinner with Andre, but with superheroes and Ultron (laughs) and supervillains. Can I do that? Uh, I'm going to do it anyway. It's it's my dinner with Andre, but it also turns into like a standoff kind of thing at the same time. Can we do that? Yeah, I'm just going to do it. Um, Though I will say... That uh, that free comic day zero issue yeah. was fantastic. Uh, really Sorrentino well on art, you know, Hydra Cap mm-hmm. lifting the hammer. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Which and it's which like, is a really big statement for that for that issue huge ended statement. with okay, Cap has defeated everybody in a fight and he's holding the hammer, so proving that he is worthy. Which that is kind of the big move of you know okay. Now everyone will think that he's on the side of right. If he's worthy to hold the hammer, everyone's got to believe like, okay, he's, he's on the right side here. Right. Whatever's going on with Steve, he's on the right side. And there's a lot of people throughout Secret Empire that he manipulates uh, into working with him. O- Odin's whole arc in that I love. It's beautiful. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, the Punisher is a yes. really interesting one. Oh, yeah. Uh, because they establish, uh, this goes back to civil war when they establish like, okay, the Punisher respects Captain America and loves Steve Rogers and wishes that he kind of was Steve Rogers, but Mm -hmm. knows that he can't be, he's, he's definitely can't be. And so if Steve Rogers comes to him and says, Hey, listen, I'm working with Hydra. (laughs) We're going to punish some bad guys. Are you in? I know that's your thing. It's, it's, it's the, (laughs) it's the bit in you ever see the town. Yeah, I love the town. I love the town. Uh, the bit where like Ben Affleck goes to Jeremy Renner's house, like, listen, <laughs> like, I can't tell you what we're doing. I can't tell you what it's about. You can't ask any questions, but we're going to go hurt some people. And Jeremy Renner's just like, whose car All are right. we taking? <laughs> <laughs> I love that It's movie literally so much. that with the Punisher and Steve Rogers. And so like the Punisher just completely falls for it. He just falls into Hydra's thing. He says, okay, let's do it. You know, Captain America's on the side of right. Always, let's do it. 
which is it's interesting just the the how secret empire works is based off of the clout of steve rogers (laughs) (laughs) and his importance in the universe Um, absolutely it's really interesting that was a hard read for me uh it it will always be a hard read for me for sure well and even now like i we talked about it before we um started recording how it's a lot easier to read when it's all together in one collected area but it's still a tough read at times it's still a tough because you watch how easily hydra took over um how easily hydra took over the u.s and not only that they changed the entire economy Mm -hmm. changed entire way school systems teach history and this was just in like a few months like that's the thing it's like a few months time has passed here and they're already entirely you know with our new textbooks that hydra actually won world war ii however the u.s used the cosmic cube to change reality yeah it's it's so interesting oh my god and at the time it also felt like oh this is and I'm gonna get political here. Warning, politicism. It's honest. It's Trump's America. Yes. Oh, weird. That's the weird thing about reading it now is that it it's 100% that. <laughs> it's 100. It's very tied to that. Um, and I Which think I was, don't think is an accident. Uh, no, it, it can't be. It can't be. Like this had to. Have, this was in the plans beforehand, regardless. Right. But it's clearly inspired by that stuff too. Um, it's 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 hard to read. <laughs> Yeah. It's very hard to read because it's again very honest and very real. Um, Absolutely, you know it, this is this is literally. Uh, it's we're two weeks away from this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> um, and like reading it, it's so interesting because all of the um, superheroes who are resisting the ones that are left are driven underground, and yeah. they are trying to make their way this was one of the most interesting arcs for the champions i remember reading yes. champions i really enjoyed this yes. where they were basically just like rec- a recon team mm-hmm. and this you know them having little little mini victories here and there leads to steve and hydra decimating los angeles or uh, las vegas las vegas they mm-hmm. level the entire city killing thousands of people yes just indiscriminately and this drives the remaining heroes to try to figure out, okay, this is real now. He just annihilated an American city. Like, what do we do here? So we are going to hunt for the fragments of the cosmic cube that have been shattered and scattered all over the world. To do that, we need to get out of the U.S. How are we going to do that? Oh, we have a guy. And you yeah. find out that <laughs> all this time during these months between the fall of the heroes to the current day, Sam Wilson has been running an underground. He's mm-hmm. been running his own. It's the Underground Railroad. Yes, his own underground. <laughs> yes. Literally in the railroad. It's literally like, in the rail. Like it's literally the Underground Railroad. It's literally yes. a subway tunnel, yeah. and it's like. Um, And he has been smuggling people into Canada, into Mexico, and getting people out of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And they come to him. And I remember, like, reading that issue, because I I was very cognizant reading the issues of um, both the Captain America titles, how you were supposed to read them in the order with the Secret Empire. Yes, which is important. And reading that issue of them going like, oh, we have a guy. And they're in this, like, seedy, like, bar. And they go to this guy. They're like, hey, man. And it flashes over. And it's Sam Wilson. And it's Sam Wilson just sitting there. Yeah. He's like, what did, Scott, what did you do? 
Like, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to do with this. I'm done. Yeah. Um, because and Scott so, only knew about this because he had his daughter Cassie. carried out. He had yep. Cassie sent away. And uh, so yeah. they recruit him to get them out. And initially, that's all it's supposed to be. Sam is just going to get them out, and then he's going to go back to doing what he's doing. However, uh-huh. that's not exactly what happens. Because no. we end up through um, circumstances and unfortunate coincidences having Sam Wilson go with them on their world-hopping journey to find these fragments. Yep. And when they get enough of them, they're only able to get, I think, two of the fragments. Yeah. yeah. While uh, Hydra is able to collect far more. That's the thing, um, yeah, because Steve is taking his team with him of his, we called him a cabal earlier, so I'm just going to stick with that, his cabal yeah, like with it. him, and they're jet-setting as well, and they're specifically going after them as well. So it becomes kind of like a, a rat race, you know. And they have the, way more resources the, than the Avengers. Yes, do. exactly. Like, they are winning. They win that fight. <laughs> and it all culminates in Hydra showing up on the doorstep of the Resistance's secret base. Yes. Not only that, they bring their armada, they bring their uh, possessed, <laughs> they bring Odinson, and they bring a reanimated Bruce Banner. Uh huh. That's really I, interesting. I remember that absolutely. Uh, my jaw dropped. That was the best part. That. that was the best part. I was, <laughs> I was him being blown away. Yeah. And, and them saying, like, we can only reanimate him for like 10 minutes. Like yeah. you're gonna get you're gonna get and a Hulk. He's like, no, that's that's plenty. He's like, that's enough. Have time. you seen what a Hulk can do in ten minutes? That's totally and, fine. And like, really just let him go. What I think is a really interesting um, uh, detail in that, and I don't know, I don't remember if you pointed this out to me or what, but the font that they use for this reanimated Bruce Banner is the Ultimate Universe font. Yes, where it's both uppercase and lowercase letters, where the six one six is all uppercase letters. Yes, and I remember having a discussion with you like that. Is like. Is this ultimate Bruce Banner? Because that's that's never that's never been cleared up since either. Never so been cleared. I still up. think it's ultimate Bruce Banner. Um, which I think I'm is convinced. interesting, especially when you factor in um Immortal Hulk and all yeah. that stuff. Um, but I think it's really fascinating when they, they just drop him like a bomb onto yeah. this base and they are not prepared for him. And he thrashes open the base. Cracking it open, they are able uh-huh. to route the heroes pretty, pretty substantially and pretty uh-huh. decisively to the point where they are scattered once again. Yep. And um, all of them, they basically got like two, like little mini carriers worth left of heroes who aren't arrested yeah. or incapacitated. And there is this beautiful issue in kind of the aftermath of that where Sam Wilson has this honest-to-God conversation with both Misty Knight as well as the New Patriot. Yes. And Sam Wilson is talking to them, and Misty is like, I don't know what to tell you. You You're the only person who knows what you're going to do. Like, But right now, we are hopeless, and we need something. We need something. Yeah. But it's not the conversation with Misty that turns him around. It's the conversation with this new Patriot. With the Patriot kid, yeah. Where the and I love that the Patriot is basically like, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really cool that I had someone who looked like me as a premier superhero. Yeah. I mean, look at me. Look how I'm dressed. Yeah. But then you gave up. And Sam Wilson's just like, shit. Yeah. 
it's an incredible statement. Like that's that's so good. And there's this, oh, and man. I I'm I'm someone who I um when I read comics, especially when I'm reading comics that are um, that I'm really super into, yeah. I I put on music, I put on scores, I put on like okay yeah um, different pieces of music here and there, and there is a uh, there's a song called. Um, called he films the clouds part two by uh, maybe she will it's an incredible instrumental song it's it's so so good um i'm listening to this song while i'm reading while i'm rereading this issue right now like the fire I got reignited yeah. and um there's this incredible moment where it's like it goes back to the narration which it's not cleared up until the very like last issue that it's kobik who's been narrating the who's entire narrated thing. right yeah. um where they're talking about like we were shattered, we were scattered, we needed hope, uh-huh. and you see all of them slowly turn, and you see Sam Wilson, Sam walk in with the Captain America shield in the yep. full regalia, and they're like they needed hope, and there he was. Yeah, and that issue of that tie-in issue of Sam Wilson, Captain America, where he's deciding to put the suit on again. It's yeah. Captain America issue 25. 25. It, it wasn't billed as Sam Wilson Captain America 25, even though it technically no. was Sam Wilson Captain America. Yeah. It was, so but the, it was the last of issue of both of Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson. Yeah. Exactly. And it shows both of them kind of prepping for this final confrontation. Yeah. Because whether it's been, you know, stated or not, Miles Morales still has to meet Steve Rogers on the steps of Capitol Hill. Yes. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. And so Sam Wilson, you know, is going through this entire issue, like with this monologue, and he's like putting the boots on. He's tying the boots up. He's putting the Captain America armor on and he shows up and he's like, I am going to lead. And for me, when I was reading this for the first time, I was like, this is his shining moment. Yes. This is the moment he becomes Captain America for the rest of his career. Yes. And... That is also what alert. That is not what happens. That is also but, what I thought. I thought that that was when, when I read that. I said, "Okay, this is the beginning of Sam Wilson's run." Yes, this is it. I like I, this I has all just been a like, zero issue. This is this is essentially what um, validates everything that he's uh-huh. dealt with in his entire run up to here, because this is the moment that he becomes the person who wins against Hydra, uh-huh. and he ends up leading the charge for this final moment. So going back to the Miles Morales stuff, just really briefly, um, yes. there's a tie-in going on where uh, Black Widow takes the champions and tries to run them through the Red Room, essentially. Yes, which is awesome. So being, yes, it was so good. They're basically so like, good. I am going to teach you to be trained assassins. Yeah. And I loved it. But yeah. the end of, the, um, of that tie-in stuff ends with Miles Morales realizing he's like, I have a destiny. I have this to is my moment. I have to do this. I'm the one who wins this. Yeah. yeah. So um, he like gets ready to leave and Natasha Romanoff drugs him to knock him out. And she goes to Washington because she is going, she doesn't want, even though she spent this entire time like training them. Hey, we have to be killers now. Um, yeah. She goes to Washington because she knows she has to be the one to do it because this is what she's trained for. She's yes. trained to take out leaders and high political threats. Yeah. <laughs> and so like she's almost tailor made for this. Yeah. Um, and so she goes, Miles follows behind once he wakes up 
and um, she goes and it's on the steps. You know, Cap is it, it's hard to call him that. Uh, Hydra Steve yes. is like standing on the steps of Capitol Hill giving this speech and Natasha is there like in another building. She's got her sniper rifle out. She is about to assassinate this guy when who decides to show up our good friend Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. With his skull repurposed into a Hydra skull. Mm-hmm. And they have a tussle. They mm-hmm. have a tussle. And even though Natasha ends up gaining the upper hand, by the time she's able to look back, Miles is there. Yep. Now, I know how I felt about this moment, like reading it as someone who's just like, I'm all in on this. How did you feel about this? Uh, it still doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love the idea of Miles stepping up and saying, okay, I have to do this. Uh, what happens to Black Widow? I still don't like. Agreed. <laughs> I still don't. And it doesn't even matter at this point. Like she was immediately like brought back. But Black Widow yeah. is murdered by Steve Rogers. Literally <laughs> murdered. Literally with murdered. That bladed shield that you yes. are so fond of. Yes. The and you know, it's what I was afraid of. I was like, he's and, gonna go around killing dudes with that thing, and that's exactly what happens. And again, <laughs> incredible art by Sorrentino with this, but it Sorrentino is brutal crushes. looking. It's a brutal he, like, fight. cracks straight through her neck, yes. killing her instantly. Yes. Um, which sets Miles off. And he yes. is going to, he, and in, and even though I can't forgive what they did to Black Widow, what they do with Miles. What they do with Miles is wonderful. Where he goes full rage mode and is just, he breaks the shield. Yeah, and it's awesome. Beating the shit out and of that's, Steve Rogers. That's why you get a Sorrentino to draw that too, because Sorrentino yes. drawing that, it looks so good. So, <laughs> and he is just beating Steve with, to within an inch of his life. Picks him up. He's like, is, this is what you wanted. This, this is, is what you wanted. Oh, man. And he looks over and he sees that jagged rock. And he's like, okay. And he starts dragging him over. Like, literally, this this yeah. little Miles Morales is dragging this full-sized Steve Rogers. It's amazing. It's an amazing rock. moment. And he is about, and he, you know, lifts him up. He's, like, about to kill this guy. And I think it was Nadia, the wasp yeah. at the time, yes. goes up and she's like, what do you want to be? What do you choose to be? Yeah. And Miles makes the choice to not be a killer. Yeah. I loved it. It's Absolutely a it's that's one of the best Miles Morales moments. Uh, so it's good. crazy that it's in a book that like isn't a Miles book, you know, because it's <laughs> it's a very defining moment for that character. It's very much like when he, you know, in his own book, like when he goes up against his uncle and stuff. Like it's it's mm-hmm. very much in line with that those moments of like wow, Espe- that is a defining moment for that character. Comics version of him confronting his uncle because yes. that is absolutely tragic. Yes, it's one of the most upsetting things I've ever read in the comic. Because <laughs> that's it's another so no-win situation. No, like... absolutely not. <laughs> and it's so interesting, like, because while all this is going on, Sam Wilson is ra- is doing his own campaign to get them, to get everybody yeah. saved. Because while this is going on, we haven't mentioned this, um, New York City, the entire island of Manhattan, is sealed within the Darkhold. Yes. All of the cosmic level, space level characters are locked outside yeah. of the world. Earth is under like a security net thing that like no one and, can get in. And all yeah. of those characters are getting just bombarded by mm-hmm. waves of Chitari. Yes, and the Chitari. Down yeah. over and over and over again. Yes. Again, 
Speaking to Steve Rogers' ability to manipulate the entire world into getting what he wants. And to strategize. <laughs> and to strategize. Like... Is wonderfully, wonderfully, bu- wonderfully brutal and wonderfully yeah. tragic. Yeah. And so Sam is focused on trying to get, while all this is going on, trying to get those, essentially getting those soldiers back into the fight. And yeah. they are able to unseal New York from the Darkhold. They're able to get them freed. And at the same time, he is going up to try and destroy this field. He's trying to get this destroyed. And there is a really interesting moment because reading each um, issue of Secret Empire is a test of your mental fortitude (laughs) for every issue to get worse and worse and worse. Yes, it's like the situation is a comic. Exactly. The situation just keeps getting worse every single issue. It seems more unwinnable with every single issue that passes. Mm-hmm. And finally, when Secret Empire like seems like they're going to get a win, Sam Wilson is shot out of the sky. Yep. And for me, reading that, I remember actually audibly, and again, Sammy was with me when I was reading that <laughs> page and going, come on! Like, yep. Honestly, like that. Come on, guys. Like, you have this. Like, what is going on here? That is that is almost a big. I think it's kind of a flaw with the book is that it keeps it keeps making us that the villains win, 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 and then you have to have a very easy answer for how the heroes win. Yes, (laughs) which I think is really unfortunate. (laughs) Absolutely is, and I'm I'm looking at very easy answer and like the i'm just gonna read here the caption boxes on that um let me see here uh and with that we were fighting again fighting together again we put everything we had into this our last best chance we let ourselves believe again because at this point uh sam is sam is in uh possession of the cosmic cube fragment yes and he's he's going to try and use it to break everybody free uh-huh. And so he is flying in between all these fighter jets and it says, but it wasn't easy. It never had been. We had one shot left, one hope still alive in our hearts. Imagine how it felt then to see it crush so quickly. And it's like, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's uh... like, just like looking at, looking at it. It's like watching it's, it's a full page spread of Sam Wilson being shot through the heart yeah. with by a jet he falls out of the sky, beautifully drawn by um, Daniel Acuna, by the way, uh-huh. um, drops out of the sky into the water, and he is just, he's done. Uh-huh. He's sinking further and further down into the waters. Um, the satellite is getting bombarded with the final biggest wave. Um, and at that exact moment, Sam uses the, while drowning, uses that final cosmic cube fragment to not only um get this ship this satellite that they had used as their last chance against the um against the shield around the world and failed Uh he wakes quasar up Uh he wakes quasar up who i am really shocked that we don't we she doesn't factor into anything right now like yeah as the uh I, I don't. I want to keep calling her Avril Levine, but uh, I always go to call her Avril Levine. Avril That's Levine Quasar. 
It's a real problem. That she that was a skater boy. She said, "See you later." <laughs> she boy. said, "See you later, Cosmic Cube boy." Yeah, and she and she breaks the shield. Um, they are able to kill uh, Blackout, who caused Blackout. the yeah, uh, that's... who caused the dark hole to envelop Manhattan. Uh, mm-hmm. First thing that Carol does, she flies down to the surface, destroys the queen egg of the Shatari, so no more uh, yep. fields are coming. Right. Shatari are coming, yeah. And yes, well, yes, this is ultimately, you know, it's Sam. Sam got that victory for them with the Cosmic Cube. But... I, wish he had, <laughs> I wish it had felt more direct from yes. him. It, it, it's, yeah, it doesn't feel like a victory. Like at all. And, yeah. and no, no one would credit it. To no one credits it to him. No one does. No one does. Because, because that happens, stuff happens and what happens after. Yeah. <laughs> because what happens is in the backups of every Secret Empire issue, we get this bearded Steve running through this seemingly cosmic forest. We don't know what's happening there, but we find out that it's all in Kobik's mind. Mm-hmm. And that she kept that good Steve like is in a, there. A backup of good Steve yeah. in there. Um, and that she is going to bring him back. So Sam is leading the charge on Washington. Hydra is crumbling. Meanwhile, Zola puts the incompleted cosmic cube into an Iron Man armor for Hydra yep. Steve. Mm-hmm. So that though, he looks like a jackass. Looks like a total jackass. So, you know, <laughs> everyone shows up, both the cosmic heroes, the heroes that were trapped in the dark fold, like everyone shows up on Capitol Hill. They wipe out the Hydra forces. Steve shows up in his jackass Hydra iron armor and Ugh. wastes all of them. Just what immediately. Stupid. What a Just dumb wastes dumb. Them all. Um, and remakes the world. Remakes the world in Hydra's image officially. Yeah. And then. And I think I still get offended. I still get offended to this day looking through this page right here. You see the only person that was left after uh, Steve used that finger rewrite reality is Sam Wilson, Captain America. Mm-hmm. Sam is walking towards Steve, evoking Steve Rogers walking towards Thanos during the Infinity Gauntlet story. Uh-huh. They directly. Uh-huh. With that it is directly scene, that scene, yes. In the in the panels, yes. And it shows, and the, for me, the again, no one man, exactly. And for me, again, I'm reading this, going, this is the final battle. Mm-hmm. This is the final throwdown. Mm-hmm. This is where Sam Wilson becomes Captain America. Mm-hmm. You turn the page, and he's kneeling and handing over the cosmic cube and the Captain America shield to Hydra Cap. Uh huh. I was crushed. Uh-huh. I set the issue. I closed the issue. I, I still, you know, you still have all these pages left. I s- closed the book. I set it down. I went and did something else for an hour. Yep. yep. Because it's that infuriating. felt like such a betrayal yes. of his entire arc up to this his point. His entire arc from when he becomes Captain America to this point. Yes, it is very frustrating. And I recognize, very I absolutely recognize that this was Sam's plan. That it was a bigger plan to get the cosmic cube completed so that Kobik could come back and when but it feels wrong. Bitten, it feels wrong. It, it feels wrong. It feels wrong. It's it feels cheap. It does. Because what happens is Scott Lang takes Winter Soldier into the Cosmic Cube, which we find out is where all of this um foresty Steve forest stuff is. Forest is, yeah. 
and they rescue good Steve Rogers. And because this is a podcast in audio format, you can't see that I'm giving quotations. There are quotations. They give this um, this good version, this backup file of uh-huh. good Steve and bring him into reality. I will say, I love Steve Rogers. Me too. I love seeing him in all of his scale mail Captain America. Old That's school. the thing. He comes out in the scale mail, oh, which is pretty dude. cool. Because at that point, he hadn't been wearing that for a while. Yep. So and it's cool that he's in on the this, scale mail. Which I believe is McNiven, Steve McNiven. Yeah. Who have who I don't believe has drawn this version of Captain America since Civil War. Uh, once the Brubaker once. relaunched Captain America book. That yes, he did the art you're for. absolutely right. Uh, when the uh, movie came out, so that was 2011. Yeah, but that's like the only time. Otherwise, he shows up and he battles against Hydra Steve. They even uh-huh. they even echo that Civil War scene where uh-huh. Steve using his shield to block these repulsor rays from Hydra Cap. Yep, I loved every single thing about looking at that. I loved every single thing about revealing that Hydra Cap lifting the hammer was a manipulation was a of Eliza. Yes. That she used her magic to manipulate the actual enchantment so that he could lift it. Yeah. And so that with her dead, he couldn't lift it. I yeah. love that good Steve Rogers lifts up the hammer and kicks the holy shit out of Hydra Steve. Great but stuff. I can't help watching this and thinking it would have been better if it was Sam Wilson. But what if it was Sam? What if it was Sam who was able to grab Lift the hammer the out of his hand? Because Sam became worthy, not just of holding the hammer, and not just of the Captain America title, but Sam became worthy of everyone believing he is the real Captain America. He, is he could have beat the hell out of evil Steve, and then they reset Steve into being regular Steve. That yeah, would have so been fun. It would have achieved the exact same result. Like, you could do that and still have Steve come back and take over as Captain America and Sam never be Cap again, and I would still feel 20 times better about it than I do now. Because, and if you look at this, immediately after kicking Hydra Cap's ass, Steve, good Steve, hands the hands Mjolnir back to Thor and hands the shield back to Sam. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you could have achieved so much more with this yes having sam do this and it would have gotten to the same exact thing yes it's very Uh, infuriating and even the uh captain america generations issue which i love i think that issue is wonderful it's incredibly good incredible i mean i would say with maybe just a couple exceptions all of the generations tie-ins are really good yeah yeah, I think there's like maybe one or two that I didn't think were great, but but this otherwise moment, they were stellar. This moment after they come back and they are look and you've got like all of them like standing together holding up their weapons, it felt like a passing of the torch. Mm-hmm. It feels like okay, we're going to go into this new age and then they backtrack on it so hard Just immediately. Yeah. Because even though, you know, Steve is like there's now there's two Steves. Um, which I thought was a really interesting thing that they absolutely just shit the bed on and didn't <laughs> immediately get the beginning of the Tanahisi Coats run. Uh, there's there's some really good. Did you read the Deadpool stuff? We should we should come back to the Deadpool thing because Deadpool has a really interesting bit with Secret Empire, and then that leads to a really good like Steve-O moment. Okay, I didn't read that, so I'm so we're definitely going to come back to that. Then, yeah, we'll have to come but back to that. The the generations issue for Sam, 
basically yeah. has him going back in time, meeting a year one, probably like month one. I, I was going to say he's Captain he's within America, like his first couple of weeks of being Captain who is America. Like, yeah. throwing up after a battle yeah. and being like, dude, I don't know what to do here. Like, this is my first time out. I don't know what to do here. And yeah. Sam Wilson, who is being the Falcon in World War II. And Which I is love, awesome. I love that variant. Oh, man. It looks so he good. Has, and he has the Captain America shield. Yep. He repainted it, but it's mm-hmm. on him. But it's on I him. I love that yeah. variant of his costume. Yeah, I want that but action have, figure real bad. Same. <laughs> I just want a good Sam Wilson Captain America figure. There, there is. It was in a three pack. I literally have it. I, I saw uh, that figure, but it, it, the, the head is just a repurposed Steve Rogers head. Nah, like that's. It, a, it looks good. Like it, it looks pretty good. He's showing it to me right now. It okay, okay. It, it does look a lot better here than it does in the, uh, the promo pics for that. It, yeah, the, the promo pics I think were like an unfinished thing, and it was a repurposed head. But that's actually like a Falcon head. Like it, it, cool. it looks pretty good. Yeah, and you can it to me right now. He he just showed me the figure. It does actually look really good. It's it's one of my favorites. I bought that three pack literally just so I could have that, and it came with because it was him, Kate His, Bishop, uh, and Vision. Yes, and like I kept the Kate Bishop and Sam, and I sold the Vision to somebody because I was like, ah, I don't need the Vision. Yeah. but like it's Kate Bishop. It's her only action figure, and it's Sam Wilson, Captain America. And it's the only way you can get a figure for him. Yeah, which, which is, is garbage. A crime. It's a crime. which is garbage <laughs> and it's one of the reasons i'm really excited for him to become captain america in the mcu we're gonna get to that don't worry we're gonna get to that for those we're, of you who are only it. mcu stands and you came for just a conversation about falcon and winter soldier we're getting to it sorry Calm everybody down. this is a really long episode sorry <laughs> um they know the drill they know about these giant sized episodes <laughs> uh, so but the entire issue is a wonderful coda to sam wilson's captain america run because yeah. it shows him giving Steve Rogers the will to, to be a symbol and him to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, you should think about getting a different shield because at that point he still got the heater shield. Yeah, which I yeah. loved. It's a it's a minor thing, but I loved it. Yeah. And you see him as this as this out, time displaced Sam Wilson grow up and learn and become and grow old in uh-huh. this world of heroes. Yes. Watching Steve go into the ice, watching him come out of the ice, watching a young Falcon debut, yes. watching all of this stuff, and um, then him having this conversation, this old man Falcon having this conversation with old man Steve. Uh-huh. I, I still get teary. I still get teary eyed reading that. It's so good. And Steve is sitting there, and he's like, "I know Sam's the right guy. I know Sam's the guy for this." But I don't want to put that pressure on him. I don't know what to do. And Sam gives him this honest like conversation where he's just like, he's gonna face that. He's been facing that yeah, his entire like life. Gonna, exactly. Like, oh, it's so it's beautiful. not gonna change a thing for him besides him trying besides essentially giving him a higher profile. Like yeah. that's all. And I love it. I absolutely love it. The it's only perfect. thing that does not stick the landing for me is at the very end of the issue when he comes back to present day having only been gone for like an afternoon in if even. our time if, if even, even that yeah i think they were gone he, for just a little bit he give he gets for me as someone reading the book and realizing that i am not a comic writer i did not write this comic he gets the wrong message from that journey i completely agree because he takes it as i shouldn't be captain america 
he he takes it as I had my time, as which is to, not. he should take it as this which is, this is, is my his time. time. Yep, exactly. And that's the problem. He he took a message from what he was. He took the wrong message from what he was telling Steve yep. and not the message from what Steve was really telling him. Yeah. And that's that's a real problem. I, I 100% agree because the book sets it up that he's going to like he found he the purpose in being this. Captain America. Like exactly. he has found his place. He has found his right. And, and then he, he gives the shield back to Steve at the end of the issue. Yep. And it bothers the shit out of me because yep. I... I love that Mark Wade, Chris Somney, Captain America run. Me too. It's great. You could, could have accomplished all of that without him being in the costume once. You honestly, you could have him in the costume. You just have two Captain Americas. That's fine. And, yep, absolutely. I he, like you can the, have the, the Spider-Man thing. But you can have I, the Spider-Man thing. But I was comfortable with the idea of Steve Rogers has to find his way, and Sam Wilson is the one and only Captain America because I, that was I, I'm right that there. was what for me I would have. That was that would be if I was writing Secret Empire, which I would not wish that on my worst enemy. No. Um, <laughs> my goal with Secret Empire is to unequivocally say to the world, Sam Wilson is the one true Captain America right now. Yes. Like this is him coming forward. Out. This is him. Yes. And they didn't do that. No. Um, just a quick, you know, what happened next for that? Again, we talked about Steve Rogers essentially going on his own uh, self uh, find, finding himself journey across the U.S., which I love those yes. stories. I yes. love that. Run. Finding what America is and what he what his place is in it. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's a very good story. It's a very, very, good very good story. Cut short way too soon, though I was really excited when they were like, all right, we're moving on. Just because I love the team of Mark Wade and Chris Somney. I Same. love that team. Same. It's a great team. I'm really excited for Firepower. Uh, uh, yes. Somney and Kirkman. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Yes. Um, and then Falcon jumps into his own book, his first, and I, I don't know if it's his only, but it's his, it's at least his first solo title as the Falcon um, for a very long time. For a very long time, yeah, because it was supposed to be an ongoing, but no one cares about the Falcon, Which and is that book wasn't very good. <laughs> really? I, thought that... I didn't, I didn't like it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was kind of boring and just yeah, it. But I, I, to be fair, I might like it more now. But I was, <laughs> it was still too close. Of like, I think he should still be Cap, and this Great. feels like the character thinks that he should still be Cap, which doesn't that, that doesn't make back. sense. No, like, it doesn't, especially for everything that he went through. Yeah, like he he felt like Sam is very angry in that book, mm-hmm. and he 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 feels like he's angry in the wrong way. He feels like he's angry that he's not allowed to be Captain America, despite the fact that that but character gave, gave up being Captain up. America. Yep. And so I, I, it drove me crazy. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I kind of like the redesign, though. Yeah, I like the costume. I like the yeah. fact that he went to Chicago. I like the fact that he took that new Patriot on as his sidekick. As his sidekick, uh, yeah, that's I thought cool. that was really cool. But it, it only lasted eight issues, unfortunately, and yeah. that's, you know, it's a shame. But my question to you. After talking about all of this, uh-huh. how how did you feel overall about these runs? How did you feel about these stories? How did you feel about where they ended up, the twists and turns? And how did you feel about how fans kind of went into this? Because I, I can only speak as one fan reading through both of these and looking on the internet and listening yeah. to other 
people talk about like, oh, this is how I feel about these books. You were actually in the trenches in the comic book store <laughs> where people were giving their blatantly honest opinions, even when they were unwarranted about these you know, books. It, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, Steve Rogers, people, people will always like Steve Rogers in the movies. Um, I mean, Chris Evans does such a fantastic job. That's an like evergreen performance. It's an evergreen performance, and it's it's a performance that only gets better every time you see it, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, people will always be interested in Steve Rogers in the movies, but people, like, a majority of people still see Captain America as boring as a character. Yes. They still, he gets saddled with the, I mean, you've talked about this many times on the pod, the Superman thing. Yep. Of, you know, people think that Superman is boring because he's a good guy and because there's yeah. nothing bad about him. And because and good so, guys apparently aren't interesting. Exactly. It, which is complete and utter bullshit. Um, but so when Secret Empire, in the lead up to Secret Empire, there was a lot more people reading Steve Rogers' Captain America than there were Sam Wilson Captain America because, oh, they're finally doing something interesting with him. And, oh, they finally have a good take on him. Yeah. These are things I actually heard. And then in Secret no. Empire, there are, yes, these are things I actually oh, heard. I could give you names. Uh, <laughs> you. You know one of them. No. It's someone I work with. Anyway. uh, (laughs) So, you know, and then during Secret Empire, it's the same thing of like, wow, like, that's really interesting. You know, like at the beginning, it was a lot of people saying, you know, hey, they're finally doing something interesting with him. And, oh, they're really taking a chance with him. You know, that's cool. But then by the end, with a lot of Marvel events, people just get burnt out and just don't care. You know, because they go on very long. Their first event is Empire that's coming out this year. I'm petrified for them. I well, Empire we'll might be we'll good. <laughs> Empire might be good, and they're gonna pump There's it out really fast. 112 issues. No, they together. they cut it. They cut it all down. They cut it Did down they? like hard okay. because of the COVID stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's not many tie-ins like at okay. all. There's all right. there's a few tie-in miniseries. I think there's like six maybe all together. Still worried, but. I'm still... That first because issue of, is good. That first because, issue is good. It's because of crossovers like Secret Empire. Yes. That makes I me pause every understand. single time a new Marvel event happens. I completely understand. Hey, I get it. I get it. I think it depends on who's writing it, really. Um, but I digress. I, I, so a lot of people were into the fact that, you know, like it's, it's Captain America as a bad guy. No one, a majority of people did not care about Sam Wilson being Captain America. And a majority of people did not care about the fact that Sam Wilson was Captain America during this time and that he had given up and any of the stuff that we've talked about. They just like the idea of bad guy Captain America, which yeah. is very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will be fully honest. Uh, Secret Empire is a run that I purposefully do not keep in my store. <laughs> if so, if someone, if someone asks for it, I will order it for them. But I do not keep it in my store. Uh, 100%. I don't. I just don't. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. I, you know? It, it's, just, it's just against what I think. Has That's this all. reread, reading through it again now altogether, has it changed anything about your views on the story? It has helped read it. Um, I still think I'm entirely too close to it. It's my guy. You know, yeah, and agreed. so I'm entirely too close to it. It's much like uh, what's going on with Dick Grayson right now and the Rick Grayson stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think is a very interesting story. But Dick Grayson is my guy. He's my it's a very like, interesting story comic for someone else in comics. That's that's exactly <laughs> it. I would like it more if it was someone else. So if this was a story involving someone, if this was an Iron Man story, 
I'd totally be down. Well, we got that. that we got Superior really Iron. Interesting. It, you're right. And, it's and it was great. a great story. Uh, a secret Tom Taylor book. Mm-hmm. Tom Taylor knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Uh, man, I know you've come to the Church of Tom Taylor. So I have. Uh, <laughs> I pray at the altar of Tom Taylor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I yeah, I, I know that I'm still entirely too close to this subject. Like, these are my toys, and I don't mm-hmm. love that. They were put through this dishwasher, you know. But um, but I, I rereading it, it has helped, especially reading it now. Um, mm-hmm. I was warmer on the Sam Wilson run than I was on the Steve Rogers run, and always will be. But especially rereading it now, in the context of right now, I wish that it wasn't tied to the Secret Empire stuff because I yeah. think it's so important to read, and I I wish that I could like openly be like, Hey, this is a great self-contained thing that you could read that will completely explain what I right now as a young black man in America feel like, like people want to know what my experience in America is like, this is, there you go. You know, like it's such a beautifully depicted run towards that goal. And I wish that I could say like, Hey, go check that out without being like, Hey, go check that out. But it also ties to this other thing that I absolutely hate. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's hard. I still have very mixed feelings on it, but I'm very glad that I uh, had to reread it actually for this. So I thank you. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate it, especially rereading the Sam Wilson stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like rereading it for this, it was um, it was incredibly enlightening, and it was very like. The clarity that you get reading it right now, I did. I will be honest. I even though I read the Sam Wilson run, I did not appreciate it as much as I do now, having reread it. Um, yeah, and sure. it's it's something that like speaks to a lot of the things that I love about Captain America, just in general. Um, I yeah. think that that Sam Wilson as a modern Captain America works far more than a yes. than a Steve Rogers Captain America does right now. In the same way that I feel like a Miles Morales Spider-Man works far more in the modern context than a Peter Parker does right now. Yes, Especially it's just like a very a, honest depiction. Absolutely. And it has nothing to it's, do with like race or anything. Rural. It has their their experiences. Yeah. Which it's, I mean it's I guess just a different are, voice. Yeah, exactly. Which I mean is very much tied to race as well, but it's like it's it just feels more honest, like you said. And um, looking at how these stories were manipulated by the people that were at the core of them, the Steve Rogers manipulation, um, basically having his hands in both stories, um, I guess I guess now would be a good time to circle back. Um, talk about the uh, the Deadpool stuff, because his because as far as I know, like my one of my favorite Deadpool story, probably my favorite Deadpool story is the I don't I think it's the good, the bad and the ugly or something the like good, that. the bad and the ugly. Yes. yes. Where yes. he teams up with Captain America and Wolverine and they go cool. into a foreign nation. It's amazing. But yes, it's, talk about it. so that that entire run is the Jerry Duggan run. Yes. Um, and the Secret Empire stuff comes towards the end of the Jerry Duggan run. It's kind of like act three. Um, so, so you have, you got to go through like the whole thing of like, okay, so there's that story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which like you said, teams up Cap and Wolverine and Deadpool, they go to North Korea because North Korea is making their own mutants Mm -hmm. and they're basing it off the DNA of Wolverine and Deadpool and Captain America. And the three of them form this bond that is unbelievably like good. And that leads through time. Like that also, that story, uh, 
changes the character of Deadpool. I don't really want to say how in the case that anyone decides to read this, which you absolutely should. I am not a Deadpool person. Me either. Duggan's run on Deadpool is one of the best comic book runs of all time. Wow. That's a spicy take. I would put in the top 15 runs of all time. Wow. Absolutely. Uh, because it because it, it took a character like Deadpool, who I can't stand, I think is the worst, um, <laughs> but evolved that character, matured him in an interesting way and gave him uh, gave him this family unit. Like he gets a family unit yes. from that story. Um, you know, he gets a, he finds out that he has a daughter, um, you know, and he has a team of friends and stuff like that. He gets very close to Coulson and all these people like super interesting. Um, and then. You know, that's that's when Secret Wars happens. After Secret Wars, he becomes a member of the Avengers. Uh, he's very close with old Steve still, um, mm-hmm. you know, and actually like Deadpool funds the Avengers because he gets very rich off of his that's name. Right. And, like, his name and stuff. And so he actually like funds the uncanny Avengers like they're working out of his house and all that jazz. Um, and then this leads into Secret Empire, where because of his bond with Steve Rogers, uh, Steve says, listen, you need to take out this threat. And the threat is Steve uh, is full Coulson. And so Deadpool mm. goes and he takes out Coulson. He murders Coulson. And oh that God. act systematically destroys everything in his life. Completely destroys everything in his life. He doesn't feel like it's a good thing that he did. It's very much the the Deadpool of Un- Uncanny X-Force. Uh, I love that. Who, that's you that's know, my who... favorite Deadpool. That's my See, that, Deadpool. that's my favorite Deadpool. And that's what Jerry Duggan does with Deadpool. He continues those threats. That's so um, cool. In fact, like tying it in with like there, there's a lot of stuff with uh, with Genesis with Evan uh, throughout the run and stuff like that, which is cool. Um, but yeah, he he you know realizes that what he did was wrong. He's raising his daughter, and like his daughter is going to school, and his daughter knows that stuff that they're being taught in Secret Empire schools is crap, and like it, it ruins him as a person, but also ruins all of his friendships when they find out that he murdered Coulson. Um, you know, he got very close with several people in Shield, um, and they they don't trust him anymore. Like they're pissed that they killed that he killed one of their guys. Um, mm. It ruins his life, and so he says, like at the end of that, uh, he becomes very instrumental in Maria Hill getting the plans for shutting down the dome. So a oh, lot of the hero's success, I at wondered, the end comes from Deadpool. He, I he gets about those plans. That. Because mm-hmm. like that when comes she, from the Deadpool when she shows up to like kill Blackout, like you have no idea how she got that information. Yeah, like if you're just reading it. the base book. Yeah, no, she gets it from Deadpool. Deadpool like gets that. That's amazing because he's a high like Hydra officer, mm-hmm. and he's like getting really respected and stuff. And he just realizes like, no, this this smells bad. And like even oh though God. Steve is my guy, like. I, I got to do something about this. And he does this in thinking that like, okay, no, like my friends and my family are going to come back to me. And he still lost them at the end of it. And so that's when Deadpool decides, okay, I'm just going to be a mercenary again. I'm going back to being mercenary. Like, and so he, that's when the title becomes despicable. Deadpool. Yeah. Despicable Deadpool. Uh, which is when, uh, uh, that's strife. Uh, cables clone did Deadpool a favor and like saved a life of, Deadpool's friends and so Deadpool has to go and like kill like six people for him Uh, (laughs) and and so it's an amazing run that's the end of Jerry Duggan's run is despicable Deadpool stuff but the Deadpool tie-ins are very important to Secret Empire (laughs) which is really interesting man okay 
isn't isn't that crazy that like now knowing that you're like you know what that all fits together it makes sense yeah Yeah. you should go back and read the they're all on comicsology um it is well worth reading even just those issues but honestly again jerry duggan's entire deadpool run is phenomenal it's so good uh good to bad and the ugly is like volume three of that run Mm. um with wonderful art by Declan Shalvey. Oh my Declan God. Declan Shalvey is one of my oh, favorite artists. Boy. Period. <laughs> that period. guy can draw. End of sentence. Wow. He's so, he's good. so good. He's, he's so, good. so good. I wish he was on, and I all respect to Victor Bogdanovich, I wish he was on a Wolverine book like, mm. consistently. Yes. Or even, yes. I, would, I would take, I would far and away take him over the guy who's uh, drawing the Captain America book right now. I. I don't know. You mean like the six guys? Yes. No disrespect to all six of them. (laughs) But once once that original Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, Andy Kubert team finished, I was like, oh god, the art's just so bad. That's fair. I I love that book though, and I think that's. I'm glad you brought that up because that book is very much a cleanup of Secret Empire stuff. Well, Uh, and I think it's and that's that's another point I wanted to make because it's so frustrating adding that book into the story because over the course of that story, Steve Rogers gives up being Captain America. Yes. And I feel like for yes. me, I was like, then why, why did right. we take it from Sam in the first place? Right. Because it, it, now exactly. he's in an eight issue ongoing. That's now a mini series. And now exactly. he's not doing anything. And now he's well, uh, or is he doing something? Or is ah, he? He's or is in he? Falcon he and Winter be. Soldier. Which because... is not in any way made to market off of the Disney Plus show of the same name. No, absolutely no, not. Never, they just they like never. working together. They just work together all the time now in every, every Marvel every comic. comic. Yeah, because they They've like each always other. Always been best friends. Don't you remember that great time where they? Um, well, well, do you remember that comic where they? Uh, you know, well, I mean, there is there is that time that they. So moving on to our next topic, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it is basically all built off of the incredible chemistry that Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan have. Yes, absolutely. Do not expect if you watch Captain America, or uh, I should say Captain America and Winter Soldier, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yeah. that same chemistry to be on the page when you read the miniseries. No. Uh, uh, it's... But- it's- uh, more similar than not, though. I, I actually, I actually like that book so far. Like the two issues that have come out, I like it a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's closer to the dynamic that they have in Civil War. That I feel like that's the one that everyone liked. Yeah. Them I mean, I love clearly it. not getting along. Yeah, I so I, I think it's closer to that than not. The, but the, uh, can you move your seat up? Scene is probably just one of nope. my favorite scenes in the entire movie. <laughs> like, or or like when they're fighting Spider Man, and it's like <laughs> it's like you couldn't have done that earlier. It's like I, I hate, hate you, <laughs> <laughs> and it makes sense because they met each other trying to kill each other. Exactly. Like, why would they just sense. be best friends? No. But um, I want to ask you before we move on into um, the future of yeah. this story, who do you think should be wielding the shield right now? Taking in everything that we've got taking in what's happened to the characters in the comics following that who do you think like how do you feel about either steve rogers or sam wilson being captain america right now in the comics i think it should be sam 
again, and I, I love Steve. Again, like I said at the beginning of this, Steve Rogers is my favorite fictional character. He's my boy. Like I You're absolutely in the choir, love Steve Rogers. Sure. Uh, but I think it should be Sam. I think Sam reflects more of a of what we need as Captain America in the time, even without take with taking out like what's gone on in the last month. I think he's still a better reflection of where we are as a country and what we need to be as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always what Captain America should be is that he should be matching the ideals of what the American dream should be and what the American goal should be more importantly. And I think that Sam Wilson uh, personifies that better. Um, I, I really like the idea of Steve taking control of shield and being like the new Nick Fury. I think that's mm-hmm. a perfect place for that character right now. Um, I, I know that they brought him back into being captain America in 2011 because there was a movie coming out with Sam or with Steve as cap, you know, and that's why they stopped Bucky being cap. But I, I think that that's the role that he should have filled for a lot longer. Um, I think there's many interesting stories that you could tell with Steve Rogers, agent of shield or Steve Rogers, head of shield. Uh, while you have Sam Wilson, Captain America, I I think it's Sam. Absolutely agree, and I that, very very well said. I I think honestly, like just reading the run um, that we got of Sam Wilson yeah. as Captain America, it makes you yearn for more stories featuring him. Yes, I think he, he got has, a bum deal. Absolutely, he did. Like, and I mean, deal. though, I think if he did. If that did happen, it would be better to have not the whitest man you know write him. I think it would uh, honestly do get Tennessee Coates. Absolutely, <laughs> I Got think Ta-Nahisi that he would Coates, be very Brian interested Hill, in those writing guys, that. Those, especially because he's already writing Captain America. Anyway, exactly, um, exactly. That's exactly it. And yeah. he's already writing Black Panther, so like it would be perfect for him to be writing <laughs> one two punch the two first real black superheroes black panther is the first african superhero you know and falcon is the first african-american superhero like it would be perfect for him to write them absolutely both at the same time that'd be mm, perfect chef's kiss chef's Chef's kiss kiss immediately uh and bring daniel cunha back as the artist that'd be sick i would would love that what is he doing right now i I haven't seen him on anything in a bit i haven't either huh who else is okay Daniel Cunha, if you're listening to this, you can, bring, <laughs> you can hear the sound of my voice. We're worried about you. Come home. Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> who would you? Who would? Who do you think would be a great creative team for that? Like obviously Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, Brian Hill would be great as well. I think he's done yeah. wonders. Yeah. Who would you have on art? Uh, you know, it, my first thought, uh, my favorite artist right now is uh is chris anka i think he's unbelievably good yes i think i think he's unbelievably good however i think it would be really important right now to have a black writer and a black artist on a captain america book whether it's a black captain america or not um i love that we have a black writer on cap i think it's the last black writer for captain america was christopher priest Mm -hmm. Uh, Back in the early 2000s, before Brubaker's run, you know, and that was a Captain America Falcon book. Um, So I love that Tennessee Coates is writing that book. Uh, That said, my dream team for a Sam Wilson Captain America book is Brian Hill and probably Brian Stelfreeze, uh, who launched the Tennessee Coates uh, Black Panther run. But I think he's an amazing artist. Um, Either him or... The art is stunning in that book. Yeah, the art is so good, and this, the design work is so good. So either him or, and it would take 
him off of another book that I really love, uh, but Carrie Randolph uh, nice. from Excellence, because I think Excellence is an incredible book. Um, it's sure. so good. It's, you're not reading that. It's well worth it. It's all about like Black Wizards. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. But I think the art that he does on that book is so good, and it it just personifies this is going to sound stupid, but I swear I mean it in the best way possible. It personifies the black experience within the art. I think like every one of those characters, you could look and see like, oh, this is this is a black character. And not in like an offensive way. Like it's, right. you know, not running around with big lips, you know, and big old noses and eating fried chicken and stuff. You know, like it's just you get that these are black characters. Like it, it makes yeah. complete sense. So, yeah, I, I think that's I think that would be my dream team. That would be fantastic. I and I absolutely agree. Those are just Hall of Fame level choices. Yeah. Like I think either of those, like Tony Coates or Brian Hill, would be incredible. They would ah, both bring I, such a great voice to Sam Wilson. Man, it would be so good. If I, I think, talk to Brian again, I'm gonna tell him that he needs to do it. Sam you need Wilson. to. Because I you think he'd be to. so interesting. Even if it's Sam Wilson is out the Falcon, I think he'd be so interesting to write that character. Yeah. And, and I think, honestly, like, for me, for art, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, first of all, absolutely agree on Chris Anka. Anka is one of my favorite artists right now. He's, he's the guy. But I would honestly, um, honestly, if I had to pick an artist, and it would, again, take uh, someone off of another book, and a book from an opposite company. But I think Jamal Campbell would be really cool. Oh, that Jamal would be Campbell so would be good. really, really good. He would if be for the no other reason. for that run. Yes, he would. Showing like, everyone at their best. Yeah. Uh, oh, that'd be good. But also, good. like, giving, like, genuine, like, gorgeous art to look at. Like, yeah. if you're not if you're not reading Far Sector, Far oh, Sector boy. is an incredible book. It's, it's the so best design good. for a Green Lantern ever. I okay. It is the best and, design. And I'm going to get a little in the weeds here, maybe a little uh, too inside baseball. But I cosplay. I like cosplay. Yeah, I think yeah. it's fantastic. I enjoy it. I have cosplayed as Green Lanterns before. I've cosplayed as Captain America before. Hell yeah. If I was able to take Kyle Rayner and put him in a male version of the of Joe Sojourner, Blaine, of, yes. yes, of the Sojourner yeah. Green Lantern suit, that would yeah. be the only Green Lantern I would ever cosplay ever. It's the coolest costume. It's, it's the coolest a cool look. Cost, even down to like the almost hard light looking the glasses. Uh, oh glasses that she had. It's so uh, it's a it's a gorgeous book. You need to be reading her. it right now. And I it's love also, her. And it's also you know you want to talk about topical real stuff. It's a it is a book that is talking about police brutality mm-hmm. and firing on innocent protesters mm-hmm. right now. A book is written by up. a black woman and drawn by a black man. About a black Green Lantern. Yes. Who is and who is much more interesting than Jon Stewart. I'm sorry for all of yes. you Jon Stewart no, fans. No, absolutely. He's fantastic. Absolutely. But Sojourner absolutely. is the most interesting new Green Lantern we've gotten since Kyle Rayner. I will say that. I love Kyle Rayner. I love Jessica Cruz. Simon Baz is Yeah, I love Jessica good. Cruz, man, but <laughs> Simon Baz is good. <laughs> <laughs> but Sojourner. Sojourner's but Sojourner is fascinating. Yeah, she's amazing. So what is left for us to talk about now that we've kind of talked about the past, we've talked about the present is we got to talk about the future of Sam Wilson as Captain America and of Steve Rogers. Yes. Yes. Um, And that brings us to the MCU. 
Yes, it now, does. The MCU was notable, as you already eloquently put, for getting people to love Captain America. He was a B-level character until the events of Civil War and then the MCU. In that order. And yes, him being portrayed by Christopher Evans made someone who is an excellent person get to play an excellent person. Uh-huh. And kind of making that ideal in the same way that people like to say that people always treated Steve Rogers in the comics, which they absolutely did not, um, really makes it very difficult for Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie, who has charisma for days, who is an incredible actor, who has been in so many things. Who is a great lead. Has has been and continues to be a great lead. Yeah. Yeah. was my only choice when I heard that they were doing Winter Soldier and that Falcon was going to be there. That's the first and only time nice. where I was like, that has to be Anthony Mackie. Anthony nice. Mackie's incredible. And when they did pick him, I was over the moon. I was thrilled when they picked him. He's perfect. They, He's perfect. thank God, they decided to cut the check and give him <laughs> the money to be... An incredible Sam Wilson. He gets yeah. the he gets one of the best introductions in the entire MCU. That opening scene from the Winter Soldier. Mm. Him and Chris Evans' chemistry is off the charts immediately. It's a it's, yeah, it's perfect. Anthony Mackie's chemistry with everyone he interacts with in the MCU is off the charts immediately. Yes, Sebastian Stan, um, Scarlett Johansson, everybody yeah. that he interacts with, he is zoned in, and yeah. they immediately love him. He is. Again, charisma for days. And I will say I was watching Infinity War in the theater when everyone was getting dusted. And I thought to myself, this is when Steve gets dusted and Sam Wilson has to save Captain America. I'm right there with you. And when you see I am him right there with you and then you see him dusted. disappear and no one notices. No That's one the worst notices. part. That's the worst part. And that no. he dusts away and like Rhodey like swats the dust out of his face or something. He's just like, is anybody there? Sam? It's Sam? So infuriating. <laughs> and Rhodey was the only one who mentioned it. Yes. Rhodey was like, he's like, Sam? And then subsequently forgets about him. Yes. And then <sighs> it was frustrating. But I I loved absolutely it brings a tear to my eye when we came when we come to Endgame. And Everything looks lost. Thanos is about to wipe out the last Avenger, Uh Rogers from the face of the earth. And you hear Steve on your left. And the portal opens up. And the first thing you see is Sam Wilson flying out of a portal to join the Avengers. Yep. You get Sam and T'Challa. And it's perfect. The first, the first thing that Captain America sees are his black friends. And that's one black friend because his black friends like, yo, I got you dog. (laughs) They're the first ones to roll up. (laughs) They're the first ones to roll in clutch. And I'm like, yo, we got you. Let's go. (laughs) And if anything, that should put the Sam versus Bucky, uh, debate to rest because Bucky shows up afterwards. He didn't show up first. Sam was there. Nope. Um, Sam was there. And so I love watching. My boy. It's, it's incredible. And Anthony Mackie gets probably the best passing of the torch scene. It, in, it's, it's incredible. So it's my favorite stage, scene in the MCU. To set the stage, it is um, Steve's going back to 
put all of the alternate reality or possibly past reality. It's unclear depending on who you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, Infinity Stone's back. Tesseract. And, I don't know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and as they're getting ready to go, Sam, in the most Sam Wilson way, says, you know, I could go with you. Like, he doesn't... It doesn't matter to him. He didn't... I love that. He wasn't there for those, what, five years that they were gone? Yeah. And he's just like, I'll jump into this with you. I don't yeah, know he's like, hey, listen, I'm you're my boy. I got you. Like, yeah. Immediately. And he's... And it, you know, and again, it harkens back to the end of Winter Soldier, where Steve's like, I'm going to go after Bucky. He's got to be around. And he's... He's and like, he's, you don't have to come with me. And he's like, I know. So where do we get to, when do we start? Like, and immediately. Just, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, also I have to I have to give a shout out for him in the Winter Soldier that again, that opening scene with him and Steve where he tells him about Trouble Man soundtrack. Uh-huh. Just I'll add it uh-huh. to the list. And the uh-huh. fact that Steve wakes up to Trouble Man to Trouble Man. Yeah. With Which Sam is a great soundtrack, the by the way. It's an it's amazing a- soundtrack. That in, that entire film, I was listening to that soundtrack while getting my notes together. And Charlton's great, man. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and he is having this conversation once again with Steve. Like, I can go with you, and Steve's like, "This is what I got to do. I know I have to do this because Steve has already made up his mind. I don't want to hear. Oh, he decided halfway. Through. No, he he, made he up knew exactly mind. what he was doing. Yes, and he told Bucky. Bucky mm-hmm. knows mm-hmm. because Bucky gives him that hug. He says, "I'm going to miss you." It's not like, hey, I'm coming right back. Bucky no. knows. Yeah, Bucky and knows. And so uh-huh. Steve goes, and there's this, and I love this again, because immediately when, when Steve doesn't come back, Sam's like, the hell? And he starts yelling yeah. at Bruce. He, he starts like, yelling at Bruce. Like, back. you need to fix it. Like, get him yeah. back. Yeah, I love it. And, uh, it's so Bucky, good. and even though he probably didn't know specifics, he knows what's going to happen. Yeah, he probably he probably and I would love if they have this. It would be, again, a chef's kiss. If they have this in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, him having a conversation with Steve about passing the shield to Sam. I, would I wouldn't be surprised that. if they did. I wouldn't be uh, surprised. It would be great. But I you see him turn and you see this man, this tiny man just sitting on this log and the two of them, Bucky and Sam standing next to each other. And Bucky goes, you go. Because he knows. Uh-huh. He knows what's going to happen. And uh-huh. Sam walks up to him. I cried. I, I, I'm i close to crying this. right now. Every time I watch it, I cry. He walks up and he sees old man Steve. And Steve is sitting there looking suspiciously like Joe Biden. I've always yep. said that. And uh-huh. it, and it weirds exactly me like out. Joe Biden. Yeah. It weirds me out. Um, but he's sitting there and he's like, well, you know, I decided to live that life. And again... I, I always get choked up around the scene. Um, you know, Sam is standing there and he's, you know, just look at him. He's like, whatever, you know, I, I wish basically essentially saying like, we didn't get enough time. We didn't get yeah. enough time. Uh-huh. And um, Steve is like, I have something for you. And he pulls out a brand spanking new shield uh-huh. looking fantastic. Uh-huh. And he hands it to Sam. Uh-huh. It's just I, try it on. Yeah, That's, he's like, try it on. Try it, it on. Oh, oh, I cried. I cried. And um, you, oh you've obviously have, have you heard you've heard the story that's that Anthony Mackie gave about finding out about. Uh, that. Oh, yes. Yes. So for those of you who yeah. don't know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Sam, 
I keep calling him Sam. Anthony Mackey. Uh, <laughs> he is Sam Wilson. He's uh, Sam Anthony Wilson, Mackey yeah. didn't know that this was going to happen because um, Marvel, enact, enacting the Ruffalo and Holland protocols, only gives <laughs> specific bits of the scripts to all of mm-hmm. the actors. Two people, yep. And so, you know, Anthony Mackey didn't know that this was going to happen until the night before they were going to shoot. And uh-huh. he's drinking with Chris Evans, and Chris is like, hey, are you excited? And Anthony Mackie's like, for what? And Chris is like, you don't know? You don't know? And he goes scrambling <laughs> into the other room, grabs his script, gives it to Anthony Mackie. Yeah. And in Anthony Mackie's own words, he read it, they cried, they hugged. And I can only imagine. What I wish I was there for that. Same. I would love I, to be a fly on the wall. I would, use, I would use the Tesseract. I would be there. Yeah. Just to watch that moment. Because just like it must, watch the most honest human moment and you see um you see him and uh, i'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna yeah cry. it's it's he's it's holding the coming. shield and it looks right and you get this kind of weird feeling after watching winter soldier after watching civil war after watching infinity war after watching endgame that this was not just steve's story it was sam's story yeah especially those first two yeah. And you see Sam, he's looking at it, and uh Steve goes, How does it feel? And Sam says, Like it like it belongs to someone else. And Steve smiles and he says, Well, it doesn't. And the the score swells. Yeah. You it, can and tell... it swells with the Captain America theme. That's yes, the best part. It does. Is that it's the Alan original Captain, Captain America, America theme. Mm-hmm. And I love it so much. It, and you can tell, you can look. I watch that scene, and I you can still see the tears welling up. In I, the, yeah. I, you know what? You can have a debate on whether that was acting or whatnot. Like, that, that's real. That's, that's a real, real moment. It's, it's, even if it's acting, it's coming from a real place. It's yeah. so honest. And effectively, we have passed the shield. Steve mm-hmm. has passed the shield to Sam, and Sam is now Captain America. And so we are now looking, we are retroactively looking at Sam Wilson being Captain America going forward in the MCU. And we are back to the moment in 2014 when we are closing that issue of who will be the next Captain America. And knowing that we have stories ahead of us with Anthony Mackie as Captain America. Yeah. The very first stop on that Sam Wilson on his tour as Captain America is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. Which is supposed to come out. I, I still have my fingers crossed. They as haven't, of right now, they haven't it's announced. supposed to be at the end of the year. Yeah. It, the last I heard it was August. And I they haven't said anything about delaying it. My birthday is in August. And if I get that as part of my birthday gift, I will never ask for another thing. For my <laughs> it, I, I, I don't think it can be. August I don't, th- they I don't think it is either. I don't think it is either, but I, it would be incredible. That would be amazing. Um, so we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and they've already talked about that. This is going to be drawing from Sam's experiences as Captain America in the comics, yes. which both makes me really excited, especially for what we've talked about today. But also really nervous because I don't want his tenure as Captain America to end the way that it ended in the comics. I don't think it will. I don't think that we will see him as Captain America until the end of this first season, though. 
I think I that's why it's I think that's why it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't think we're gonna get him as Cap until literally the last few moments is when he will officially be Captain America. And he said he said he's trying to Captain okay. America. Yeah, he said that he has the And suit. I love that. And because that's, his that's totally fine. His his Captain America costume is the most easily translatable comic book costume yes. you could possibly find in modern comics. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> it's it's such a good costume. And I I am really excited for all the stuff that we've seen from these first looks for the yeah. show. Uh-huh. Um, I love that the Super Bowl trailer starts with the image of the shield stuck in the tree. Yep. And you see Sam's hands reach out and pull it out. And he's practicing. Uh-huh. Because my favorite part about the initial all-new Captain America run was that Sam could not throw the shield to save his life. I love that. And him yeah. learning all of the um, all of the physics around it, having to yeah. learn to use it, was one of my favorite aspects of that initial run. I love that that's even touched on like during the Pleasant Hill stuff. Yes. With, uh, when when he meets up with Bucky and Bucky's like, oh, you're really figuring out how to use that shield. Thing? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's still really hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and then Bucky even mentions he's like, yeah, I never really got the hang of it. That's I never got I the hang gone. of it. Yeah. And I like it's it retro. And that's definitely not the case if you read that run. But I love that that retcons that. It's a little bit a part of that run because that's the thing in there, too. When he's cap is like he he, you know, throws the shield at a lot of people. And yeah, and then pulls out the gun. He, I, I remember that being in like right after he took the suit. He was like, just in yeah. case I can't get it with the shield, at least yeah. I have this. And he has like the Walter PP, like, and he's taking the shoot. Like. More often than not, was him throwing the shield as a distraction and then him whipping out exactly. the gun. And then him whipping out the gun because he's or the, a soldier. Or the, uh, the Bowie knife that he had in his, yep. his boot. Yep. Mm. The, the Bucky costume run is just. It's great stuff. It, it would is... not work for the movies. It would not no, work for MCU. Not. Especially that Bucky has not earned it. Like no. Sebastian Stan has not. Earned Thank it. you. Because first and first of all, it doesn't even make sense for him. For no. his MCU story, no. his MCU narrative, it doesn't make sense for him. That's the thing. Like Sam as Captain America makes even more sense in the movies than it does in the comics. It makes all the sense. Like look. when when that was even being floated an idea, I was like, oh, that would be wonderful. Because like he makes way more sense in the movies. Like yes. he's literally a soldier in the movies who I mean it, it makes complete sense. It's better. I loved how they retconned he's his a vet. For, the, for the MCU and to making him to the original like yes, background of him being a social worker. Doing like, that social worker, like having the group therapy sessions and that Steve took that over. That's the thing that no one game. talks about. No one talks Steve, about it. Steve, when he gets older, he becomes Sam. Like Steve I, in the end of everything becomes Sam. And so naturally Sam has to become him. It's a beautiful I, symmetry thing that they set up at the beginning of the movie. And it's so perfect. So good. Uh, so do you have any, any predictions for Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Is there anything you're specifically looking for, whether it's from the comics or something that you just think would be cool? I want him to, in the way that Sam Wilson in the comics uh, was a Captain America for the people. I want this Sam to be that kind of thing. Uh, I think that they've already, like we just talked about, I mean, Sam was, you know, a uh, support group guy. And, you know, he he's very much of the people, whether it's, you know, of military people or of people in general. He's very much a man of the people. And I want him to be that Captain America as well. I want to see that reflected. Um, I I also want him to build an Avengers team. Nice. I would just like to see him be in charge. Like once he realizes, like I'm Captain America, I want him to be in charge. Like I oh, want yeah, him he to needs be to be command. leading Avengers Five. Yes, like, like that, that has care. to be him. 
Like, it has to be. It has to be. Like, let it be, like, him and Valkyrie as the king of Asgard. And, let and Brie Larson put together a team. Ca- Captain Marvel. And Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. Three of them just... Let the, the three energy. Just put together a team. The, the big dick energy just, that would be just... And then just hug and kiss afterwards. And I'm It would, it would overwhelm everyone. <laughs> I'm Every there. fight. They're just like, we can't take energy of this magnitude. We can't do this. You I'm, win. I'm at midnight right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good to go right now. Like it's I'm so, ready for it. I want it's, it. It's yeah. I'm honestly, I agree. I I want the hotline. I don't. I want, want the hotline. It doesn't have to be set up at the beginning of this, but I do want it eventually. Yes. Um, have gotten some concept art for their suits. Mm-hmm. I love this Falcon suit. Yeah. Love, love, the concept love, art. It looks good. It looks real good. Um, and this is the only. Bucky, talk about cosplay. This is the only Bucky suit that I can feasibly cosplay as. Ooh, I like that. Short haired Bucky. Short haired Bucky. Short haired Bucky all the way, baby. Always. Always. Um, Do you see it improving the original story? Um, Yes. Yes. I see them, especially with it being something that was being filmed right now. Mm-hmm. While or and shut down because of Corona, but right. you know everything that's going on right now, I see this as an opportunity for them to maybe not necessarily for that first season, but them to really take inspiration for what's going on right now and make it a very personal story and for make sure. it very much a story about the Black experience. And I I really want that. Now, would you, if, if it was up to you, would you confine them to just that show and then make sporadic appearances in the films, or would you have them in their own solo films as well? Uh, show and movies. Show and cool. movies. I, if you're doing show, I think you have way more time to do stuff than you do with a movie. Absolutely. Um, like, I'd, I'd much rather that. So I'm, I'm thrilled that they have what is it supposed to be like eight episodes or something. I'm thrilled that yeah. we have that eight episodes and then put them in movies as well. Like do both and I'll be thrilled and satisfied. And they're bringing back Sharon. They're bringing back Zemo. He's Zemo in the mask, baby. Yes. I'm so excited. Mm. And U.S. agent. U.S. agent. Wyatt Russell is U.S. agent, which is going to be awesome. I did not think that that would be the choice, but I really like it looking at him in the short promo shots that we've seen of him. Yeah. He's honestly, got a good jaw for it. He does. <laughs> he just looks would, like honestly, a douche. <laughs> I would have loved to see Josh Brolin as U.S. agent because like a young mm. Josh Brolin would have absolutely just destroyed U.S. agent. Interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of who I always thought would be perfect. Uh, Jason Clark. I always wanted Jason Clark to be yes. U.S. agent because I Jason think he would have been perfect. Yeah. Because he has that like he has that energy of, you know, overconfidence. <laughs> yes. <really well. laughs> so, like, you take, like, Jason Clark from, like, White House down, he would be perfect oh, yeah. as U.S. agent. Like, sure. just mean, sadistic, but, like, wants to do a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Get and him as U.S. Like, agent. Honestly, in this show, there is going to be that that hashtag give back the shield kind of mentality. Because we yeah. do see U.S. agent with... The shield with that the is, shield, yes, that is Sam's shield. Yes, it's not like a reproduction or anything. And I like that they are going to be tackling this. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I want it so bad. It's it's going to be incredible. I'm really so I'm really excited, and I'm really excited that we got to talk about this because this yeah, is yeah, me too, man. That, Thank you for having me. Of course, of course, you are like I said, the leading aficionado when it comes to comic books. Whenever someone 
asks me something and I'm like, if I don't know it, Malcolm will know it. <laughs> that is, I've always looked to you as my senpai when it comes to comics. <laughs> and I, I miss our regular conversations at the, at the comic shop. Me too, man. Me too. Well, Hey, seriously, thank you for having me. Uh, this is, it's a, it's a character in a run that I'm very passionate about. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, even with the, even with the Steve Rogers stuff, which I'm negatively passionate about, uh, <laughs> I'm still very passionate about this stuff, you know? So I, I appreciate you having me on here, man, and getting to talk about it, it and making me reread it. Honestly, uh, it really helped. Uh, I might even read it again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very so comforting. Good. It's so good. <laughs> honestly, I would, and I know you said it earlier that it'd be, there'd be a little bit of hesitation, but I would recommend people read the Sam Wilson, Captain America run. Yes. I think it's something that is especially like you said right now it's so important it's it is so very important yeah um and it's something that especially if you're looking towards like falcon winter soldier what phase four is going to be like you need to read this because this is going to inform that yes any final sure. thoughts on the sam wilson Fal the sam wilson captain america run um who he is how he is how he's going to be an incredible captain america that whole run I of comics I don't really have much, man. Um, if you want to see Anthony Mackie do some cool action stuff, watch Ultra yes. Carbon season two. Uh, he's amazing. And, Hell yeah! Uh, like he, like he's amazingly awesome doing action stuff. I always forget that, man. Um, nah, just everyone keep your eyes open right now. Like, look, you know, don't don't turn away from the news and stuff. Like, important things are happening right now. Um, you know, find a find a bail fund in your in your local town and donate. Uh, there's a lot of people who could use it, I'm sure. And there's going to be a lot of people who could use it, uh, you know. So do something important right now. This is my favorite thing about Captain America is that he is a person who is always doing something important um, no matter what. And I think this is an important time to do something important. So be a Captain America right now. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geek Explain podcast, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice. And also feel free to give us a rating and review. really helps us out, gets us out into the world uh, and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you do give us a five-star review and rating on iTunes, I will read it here live on the podcast. I've read our one and only so far far and i would love to read more so feel free to give those and i will happily read them on the podcast also uh every week i try and let you folks know that you can write in to uh our geeksplain mailbag just to see if you have any questions for me if you have any uh comments if you'd like to have any questions answered or just get me to talk about anything having to do with comics. I love that. That's what this podcast is kind of about. Um, and this week, we do have a letter in our Geeksplained mailbag. Uh, this is uh, courtesy of Mike. Uh, thank you very much for writing in. And he writes, With the Black Lives Matter movement growing, we've seen actors stepping away from voicing POC. Kristen Bell has stepped away from Central Park. Jenny Slate has stepped away from Big Mouth. Alison Brie distancing herself post-Bojack Horseman. The Simpsons have said they won't 
have white actors for POC for a couple of examples. Uh, Phil Lamar is a prolific voice actor who's brought many characters to life, not all of them a POC. Anime dub actors are typically not POC, but there hasn't been an outcry about that. Seems like double standards to me. Uh, what are your thoughts on this subject? Can you take a moment to teach those of us that want to help be progressive and to understand why it matters who brings a character to life. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for writing in. I love getting letters like this, so feel free um, to write those in. To answer your question, um, to point something out just real quick, uh, there has been some conversations for uh, anime dub voice actors. Um, I am not a authority on that, but I do kind of run in those circles, and I am privy to the um, the talk that has been going on, and it is a damn shame that a lot of POC, specifically uh, black voice actors, don't get as many opportunities as white voice actors. It's just it's just what happens. Um, as a voice actor of color myself. Um, I have noticed a lot of times when there are certain things that I can um, audition for, they're looking for a very specific voice, but um, I have seen recently, uh, especially in commercials, a rise in uh, POC voice acting. It's been fantastic hearing more voices being added into the, uh, the spectrum of voice acting and getting those opportunities honestly, for me, doesn't really um, have to do with the actors themselves. Uh, just my opinion, just myself, um, a lot of times when we talk about stuff like um, Jenny Slate stepping away from Big Mouth, um, Allison Brie playing an Asian uh Asian character on BoJack Horseman and all that stuff, the voice actors themselves don't really have a... Um, as big of a say in that as a lot of people would go on to believe, they get a lot more publicity by saying, hey, I'm stepping away from this role to be, you know, conscious of um, of the movement and of giving uh, voice actors of color more opportunities. I love that. However, um, the change that we really need to see when it comes to that is in the casting, is in the directing, is in the show running, because there are so many um, properties, there are so many um, shows and projects that would highly, highly benefit from getting um, POC people in there at the ground level, whether it's casting, directing, producing, whatever. Um, at the end of the day, the actors themselves are auditioning and they are chosen, as far as I can tell, for the most part, though not always, for the merit of their acting, um, for their ability to connect to the character, and they are not the ones who are making the casting choices. They are not the ones who are casting white actors as POC characters. So I think we need to see a lot more POC representation when it comes to casting, when it comes to directing, when it comes to show running. And um, for me, that's really the change that we need to see in these kind of industries. And it's not just voice acting. Uh, we see a lot of times, you know, there will be a POC show that is helmed by a white showrunner. And that's not to speak of any specifics um, about their ability to be a showrunner. It has to do with their perspective. And I think a lot of times when we see um, 
white showrunners helming something that is strictly coming from a POC perspective, oftentimes it feels hollow. Um, oftentimes it feels like it's from an outside perspective, and that is why it feels not as um, authentic. And so when we see white actors being cast for different um, POC characters, a lot of times that doesn't that doesn't come down to them. They are performing a job. Um, as a POC actor, would I love to see more opportunities to play, you know, more POC characters as well as white characters in the same instance that white actors get the chance to play POC characters, of course. But at the end of the day, that really comes down again to the casting and to the people in the actual um, production of the project. And I would love to see more representation when it comes to that. Uh, you mentioned Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar is a fantastic voice actor, a as you said, a very prolific voice actor who has voiced hundreds of characters, both POC and not. He is famously the voice of Samurai Jack. And honestly, again, when that um, when it comes down to that, it can come across as a double standard. I can absolutely see your perspective on that. However, once again, that comes down to the casting. That comes down to the uh, showrunners. That comes down to the directors. And when we start to see, I think, a bigger push for representation in those realms, we will see more representation in the people that those people do cast. So it's a complicated issue. There's not um, one right answer to any of it. Um, but in my humble opinion, um, I think that we need to see kind of a sweeping across the board of more representation when it does come to voice acting. Um, I would love to see more characters pop up. Just um, as I'm recording this, uh, if you go on Rooster Teeth, their Twitter, they just dropped a preview uh, let me pull it up here. I just want to... I'm just so excited about this. I saw this this morning um, as I was recording this. There is a... I don't know if it's like an animated short or, um, or whatever it is. Let me find this. Um, but it is a clip for uh, recorded by Arizal. Um, and it features a character who is specifically Filipino. And you have no idea, like, as a Filipino-American, I am just blown away by that kind of representation. And I would love to see more of that. Um, it's just the clip, you can find it on Rooster Teeth's uh, Twitter. Um, the caption is just, Meet Arizal, an aspiring record keeper, and the sneak peek of Recorded by Arizal. Um, and just hearing her refer to her tito and her tita um oh it just it warmed my heart and it made me so excited to see this i'd never heard of this before but i am just over the moon about this and i will be keeping up with this for sure so i would love to see more shows more projects be being greenlit like this i have no idea what the show's about i'm doing you know research to find out more about it um of course i would love to be part of that as a voice actor but um supporting projects that feature more representation i think is something that you can do as a consumer or as someone who is um not necessarily in that realm whether you're um in that industry or not what you can do is you can support uh, projects and um, creatives that are pushing for more representation. If you look around, you will see plenty of shows about 
white hetero characters, and there are plenty of those. Many of them are good, um, but I would love to see more representation of that, and I think projects like Recorded by Arizal um, are a great step forward into getting more representation like that. Uh, shows that feature um, other cultures, show that feature characters who are inherently, you know, representing exactly what culture they are entwined in, I think is so important and will help to make that sweeping change happen. I, as someone who I, I mentioned in the, um, in the discussion I had with Malcolm, I am a POC, but I am white passing. Um, I am in a weird position where I can see both sides of the uh, representation argument. But I honestly, I don't think that there is a negative to be seen for more people to get to be seen, to be represented. And the closer that we get to equal representation when it comes to not just voice acting, but casting, directing, show running, producing, all of those factors, the more representation that we will see and Honestly, the change in quality that we're going to get, we're going to get more stories from perspectives of people who we didn't get to hear before, and that's never a bad thing. So uh, once again, thank you to Mike for writing in. I would love to answer more questions like this. I would love to have more conversations about this. Um, if you have a question, if you have a... Um, a question you want to ask, if you have a comment, if you have something that you would like me to elaborate more on, feel free to email us to geeksplained at gmail.com. I read all the emails that you send and I will, regardless of whether I um, am able to respond to them or not, I read all of them and I try to respond to them as much as I can. I am essentially working two jobs, both doing the restaurant and uh, working on my voice acting along with this podcast. So I try to keep myself as busy as possible, but I really honestly do appreciate everyone that reaches out to connect with me over the podcast, over voice acting, over anything. So um, yeah, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This was one of my favorite conversations I've ever had regarding comics that I had with Malcolm. And let me know what you thought of everything we talked about we hit on some real um some real and honest uh conversations about all the stuff that we are going through as a nation today with uh everything that's been going on with the pandemic with the black lives matter movement with just the movement to defund the police and this focus on police brutality um there's a lot that happens in these comics and that's why i always laugh when people are like oh comics are too political nowadays if you feel that way go back and listen to our episode on superman and politics that was from like two weeks ago another one of my favorite episodes we've ever done so um i would love to have more conversations about this because this is something that we do need to put a spotlight on a geek explain spotlight if you will um, but tune in next week. We are rolling right on into July. Uh, when this episode drops, it will be July 1st. Have a happy and safe 4th of July weekend. Um, I do not think gatherings should happen this weekend, in my just humble opinion. But if you are going to any kind of gathering for the 4th of July, please be safe. Please wear your mask. Please social distance. Have a good time, but be safe and be smart. We're seeing a lot of um, coronavirus... 
rise in cases and all that stuff. They just shut down bars once again in uh, L.A. County. So I don't know what's going to happen with the restaurant. Um, So we'll see. I'll keep you all updated on that. Um, I'm doing you know, as good as I can. Again, trying to keep myself busy. I had a really big audition this week that I um, have my fingers crossed for. So if you have any um, good voice acting vibes that you can send to me, please do. Um, Also, give us a follow on social media at Geek Explained Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. We post stuff there all the time, and I would love to engage and connect with you on those platforms as well. So tune in next week for another brand new episode of the Geek Explained Podcast. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek Explained, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Be safe, and we will see you next time. Geek